I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Bill Fox. And we love to watch. We love to watch The Bargle Who Burgled Diwali. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster. Is that in there somewhere? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what we watched, right? The Bargle who burgled Diwali. We all hate the Bargle, don't we? Ah, <laughs> oh, the Bargle. He's always trying to steal Diwali. I don't know about you, Peter, but I watched The Grinch. Da, da, da. Da, 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 da. The Grinch. The Grinch. Da, 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 da. The Grinch. Uh, yeah, where we love to watch. We're a movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the, over the course of the month around that theme. And if we remember, we compare and contrast. And we're in our finally month. Finally month. Finally. Ooh, month. Finally. <laughs> our final week of our month called Cursed Christmas, which is celebrating. Uh, it's not celebrating. It is uh, lamenting uh, a few entries in the big budget megastar Christmas movies that are now only your favorite Christmas movie if you have some weird six-year-old attachment to watching it with your family and now for some reason you watch it year after year. Um, and we're kind of doing the big one. The one that uh, what was the number one grossing movie of 2000 in the United States. So right there. <laughs> a huge hit. A lot of people were exposed to it. I saw it in theaters. Uh, I loved it. I thought, you know, this is a per- – like it's – if you're going to adapt a essentially a 40-page, 11-minute-to-read children's book, this is it. This is fantastic. And uh, my opinion of it, unfortunately, has been dropping for the last 20 years. Um, and I – I'm still, I guess, somewhat amazed by the audacity of it, but we're going to get into all that. That movie is Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And then as a preamble to that, we're going to be covering uh, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas! Um, and it, the reason that it sounded different is that the 1966 one has an exclamation point, And uh, so it's, you know, How the Grinch Stole Christmas! And then the, the <laughs> oh, Howard understand. one is... There's is how the Grinch stole Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They're the same words, so the only way to tell them apart is to really be clear the punctuation is coming through every time we say it. So you can expect that for the rest of the five hours we'll probably take to cover this one. Uh, but we're joined by surprise guests. I mean, he's not a surprise. There's a good chance if you tuned into 2020, he's been here. Yeah. Um, it's also but- not a surprise to either of us. We scheduled. No, we knew. We we were like, do you want to? After we get done with the mixed nuts, we said, hey, we don't have a guest for this, and we know that this is your like, if you were a porn star, this is your uh, adult video uh, awards, yes, or whatever. This is called. my month. I'm going to quote the Grinch and to say, one man's toxic sludge is another man's potpourri. (laughs) (laughs) It says potpourri is funny somehow. I can't remember. Yeah. And so Bill was asking some questions about it. And we kind of got the hint. So Bill Fox, uh, Peter's brother-in-law and one of our favorite people on the show, is back. Bill, if they didn't listen to the episode two weeks ago, can you introduce uh, yourself to our audience? Yes. Hello. My name is Bill Fox. I am a well-known movie blogger. Um, 
I can't even make this shit up. I'm Peter's brother-in-law. They invite me on here out of sympathy or to shill for some ridiculous position related to a movie that no one else is willing to stand behind. <laughs> um, and I just like drinking and hanging out with the dudes and I don't have other friends. So, here I am. Yeah, we, yeah, are, we, we have a captive audience in that we, we that since um, Bill isn't like uh, allowed to leave his house because of uh, the, the plague, um, we could just be like, you're free on Thursday, right? <laughs> it's actually a weird also, Venn diagram of like restraining orders where like I actually can't leave my house anymore. Like <laughs> three well, different directions. It's has bizarre. a 500 yard uh, direction to the west. Yes. Uh, well, and also most the of the pastor restraining orders are degree. because he sings Christmas carols door to door 12 months out of the year. And um, sometimes if you're Christmas caroling, you sing a carol, go to the next house, you sing a carol. Go to the next house. Bill has a different system. He's a lot of neighbors affected. named Carol. Yeah. You, you sing to Carol, a Carol, you go to the next house. Uh, Bill has perfected a system where he uh, sings all the carols at one house per night. Um, and it's a lot of Christmas songs. He, he goes for some deep cuts that most people don't think of. Uh, and he does every, like, permutation. So he's doing, like, Santa Claus is coming to town. Bruce Springsteen version. Santa Claus is coming to town. Chipmunks version. Santa Claus is coming down. Jackson 5 version. So, yeah. You, I mean, I go through point, nine most- D-cell batteries a night. I don't think people appreciate what, like, a arduous, like, physical, you know, effort it takes to get through all those deep cuts <laughs> standing outside with the boombox. Oh, so you're you're not singing the Christmas carols? You're just like oh no no you, you, can, you can get the karaoke version Christmas carols. I I just need backup, right? I have no harmonizing yeah. because all my you know choir yeah. has left me years ago. Um, I still a half dozen orphans doing uh, supply runs to get you D cell batteries, but since they're so heavy, they can only carry one at a time. I think if you the, fed them more, they can maybe carry more D cell batteries. But well, actually, the it, orphans represent like the restraining order to the south, so <laughs> I, I lost them too. Um, yeah. But it's okay. I do like so that you called like no Chewbacca, one. but you have an entire ammo belt full of D batteries. <laughs> I do like that you said you have no one to harmonize with. It just reminds me of something mildly unrelated, but I just read it before here. Who, uh, Someone who wrote uh, that they didn't like – they listened to Pet Sounds. And they didn't like Pet Sounds because they didn't like all the background singers. And someone replied, by background singers, do you mean the Beach Boys? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the funniest exchange I've ever seen in my entire life. And I want to save that for all, all eternity. Uh, <laughs> We're all enriched. I don't like all the background singers the, the, in the beach. In the Beach Boys. God, their whole thing. Oh, you mean the band? <laughs> their whole thing is they all sing together. What do you mean? How can I, you tell who the lead singer is most of the time? I love Fela Kuti. Uh, you know, minus all the the brass section. I just hate all the brass. Uh, I love this. I love this. Chemical Brothers. When's that guy gonna start singing? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be shy, chemical bro. <laughs> verse, chorus, verse. Uh, yeah, but we're going to cover the Grinches. Uh, Peter, you also watched um, the 2018 one, which just is not worth talking about because it's so yeah, goddamn boring. Yeah, we talk about that. We, I will be talking about it in the margins in com- and basically establishing uh, what I think... Uh, the Ron Howard version does well over that. 
Yeah, and well, which I agree. I, and, and what I think uh, that uh, absolutely like mind-numbing version does way, way, uh, way better, um, which is uh, not not being horrifically, <laughs> not being uh, horrifically heightened and uh, abusive to the senses. Um, yeah, so my, uh, my compliments Ethan, will mostly be Warren... extremely, extremely soft. Like, yeah, thank think... you, thank you, movie, for making me feel nothing. So, so that one's I fair think, game. Uh, I'm going to talk about that oh. one a bunch. Yeah, we're going to talk about, talk about it I think... in, in comparison, but we're not going to cover it. Uh, you know, we're not going to do a synopsis. We're not going to talk about the key differences. It, 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 but it will pop up as I as all three of us have seen it now. And I do think, like, to use Ethan Warren, we were talking a uh, former guest, uh, great writer and director, Ethan Warren, who writes a uh, Bright Walls Dark Film. Wait, that's not right. Bright, Bright Wall Dark Room. Yeah, I said Dark Film. <laughs> um, uh, who was on our Tall Tale episode? We were talking to him a little bit about covering, it, and he said that if to use Nathan Rabin's um, Year of Flops metrics, like uh, Ron Howard's Grinch is a fi- the fiasco, and uh, the Bender Snitch Cumberbatch uh, twenty eighteen <laughs> one is. Uh, <laughs> I think I accidentally, legitimately, accidentally uh, said a fake version of his name. Sorry, Amanda. If Amanda let, if you're listening, um, but that's the fail. That's the fail. That's the failure. It's not even interesting enough to be uh, despised. It's just kind of boring. But let's start at the very beginning, which is the book. Uh, the book was written by Dr. Seuss in the 60s. Um, it is a book that has been um, present in my life since as far back as I, I remember. I always made my parents even read the dedication, uh, which is to Teddy uh, Owens. And the only reason I know that is I would make my mom when I was two or three or four, whatever it was, read it over and over. And I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And I would laugh hysterically in that way that only, only, a, uh, only a toddler who has a weird phrase, strike him as hilarious, can, uh, can, uh, can laugh. But yeah, so I just uh, was obsessed with this, eventually obsessed with the special. We'll get to that. It's still a book that so- occasionally when people ask me what my favorite book is, I'll say this. Um, uh, if I have, if I'm forced to name a, uh, a a book with more pages and less pictures, I'll, I'll think of something else. But um, I I do have a uh, a huge connection to this book. Uh, I read it to my uh, to my kids constantly, uh, uh, and they love it. Maya even went through a phase where she wanted to hear it all throughout the year, which was fine with me because it and it always struck me just because I love Christmas, I love presents. It, it's a great Dr. Seuss book, and then it shows these fantastical toys that you could only imagine uh, how much you would have loved at a certain age. Um, and it tells a message that always resonated me with me as a kid. Peter and I have talked about the show so much about how like uh, there, there are kids who like those messages of Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers and the Muppets and all those kind of things resonate that idea of like, it's good to be a good person doing nice things makes you feel good. You should try to bring joy to people's life and respect them and all that kind of stuff. And this was a book that, that mapped onto that, um, that mapped onto that really well. So the, the idea of this evil guy who has a change of heart by recognizing that like, you know, that there's just a general good feeling that happens at Christmas also is like exactly what I loved as a kid. It also aligns, I think generally well with my um, feelings of Christmas now, right? Like I, I, I like it a little bit as an excuse to, 
uh, get a few uh, presents that I wouldn't normally get. But, you know, 95% of my Christmas love at this point is getting gifts for other people, seeing the joy of my kids and my friends as they – people in my life as they get to open those presents, getting to spend time together, having so much time off work to plot out, like, you know, fun winter activities each day, decorating the house. There's just joy in there and having, you know, the main character of this book kind of recognize that when he was insistent that it was about – um uh, toys it was appealing, uh, appealing to me. So yeah, I I have a huge connection to this book. Uh, what about you, Bill? Peter, did, were you guys? Um, did you guys discover this book at a young age? Has this been kind of omnipresent throughout your life, or was it something that uh, was you were less connected to growing up? Less connected from a book perspective, um, for whatever reason. I, I was connected to a number of the Doctor Seuss books, not this one. Um, then. Were you a, you're a hop on pop guy? Uh, I was ABCs? more of a fox and socks guy. Um, fox and socks is great. Yeah, I could probably do most of it because now I practice regularly with my three year old. Um, but I liked the cartoon. Um, I liked Doctor Seuss in general, so it wasn't anything against it. Just wasn't in the repertoire. Um, but now I I love it very much. Um, your dad gave you stereo instructions to read as a child. Yes. Um, and that you found great joy in the stereo instructions. It's not, not too far off. Not <laughs> unlike my six-year-old who would prefer to look at cross-sections of large buildings and machines than books these days. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to send Jack Fox. There's a, there's a, there's a big book that's just um, cross-sections and vivisections of uh, Kowloon Walled City. Uh, so that, he would love it. He would spend hours yeah. on it. Because you're like, they ran power here to here, and then the populist uh, hijacked the power in this three directions. Like, it's it's maddening to look at. Um, I Well, love- yeah, I mean, when Bill was young, I get it. Like, you know, I, I've heard the stories when he was insolent, he was placed in a burlap bag beaten with reeds. Yes. Pretty standard. My father would make outlandish claims, such as he invented the question mark. <laughs> tough no grinch no room no for grinch. the grinch in that world no 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 not not uh, not, not in belgium not one bit um i loved uh dr seuss as a kid i was sort of a one fish two fish uh red fish blue fish kind of guy but i was i was a grinch fan i was a grinchman wasn't much a fan of the cat in the hat didn't trust his his, his uh his sort of wily ways let me tell you why the cat in the hat's bad as someone who now reads it to my kid occasionally. If you haven't read it in a while, you may forget how it ends. He's a Zodiac killer, right? <laughs> yes. No, come on. He's not Scott from Full House. Um, <laughs> it's a callback to the last Christmas special. <laughs> and we love to watch canon. Scott from Full House. Allegedly. Is the... Uh, is, or is it, he's Steve. Scott adds it. What's his... Uh, Steve Scott Adsit is from 30 Rock. You're talking about yeah, Steve. Yeah, so Steve is his name. Scott something is the actor's name. But to be clear, the actor is not the Zodiac Killer. The character of Steve in real life is the actual Zodiac Killer. But that's a whole – we don't need to get into to that whole thing. But Cat in the Hat ends with basically um, the, the kids have a choice whether to lie to their mom who just walked in. And about whether about everything they saw today, whether they should tell them the truth or not. And they're having a debate about it. And the ending of the book is what would you do? And I don't like the way that place is like a weird. I think that's how I felt as a kid, too. Like, don't make me answer whether I would lie to my parents or not. 
book and then also like i may have to lie to them about whether i would lie or not because i probably wouldn't have told them (laughs) but i can't say that like it puts a lot of like uh well you probably would lie to them why wouldn't you lie to them you'd get away with it you'd get in a ton of trouble with the cat situation they would never believe what happened so yeah have you guys seen the end of the you guys have seen the movie wanted right yeah the last the last shot is uh is the character main character going He's about to snipe a guy from like a zillion miles away or whatever. He goes, what the fuck did you do today? Uh, I made like an egg sandwich. I made some sausage. Like, well, I just finished watching this movie, asshole. <laughs> just spent like two hours watching the, the movie. So wanted. wanted. So um, wanted. Did you guys read the Chris Van Allsburg books? Like. No. Like Jumanji and. Oh, yeah. Like. Uh, Wreck yeah, of the Zephyr. But that was, a, that was a little bit later. I didn't get into those until like, you know, third or fourth grade or wherever I discovered them at the, the elementary school library. But that was that was definitely later. So I loved, I loved all Jumanji. of them and they're super ambiguous endings. Like they were my jam. And I don't know if that says something about me that like I loved the books that left me like with the decision of how it went down. <laughs> which, I think I think that that's actually like a kids both love things to be incredibly literal, which is why uh, those YouTube videos do so well. They're like, did you know that these two movies are in the same universe? Like kids love everything to be literal and to, it, it makes it yeah. feel more important. But like kids also love, we talked about this in a previous episode. I'm not sure which one. Kids actually love taking the concept of, oh, it was probably Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, taking the concept of a, of a universe, Bill, as you're talking about, these like Chris Van Ellsberg books, yeah. and then being like, just go run off and in your mind have another book. Go run off in your mind and just like make up the rest of the story. Like, so that's that's something that I could see like. Or imagine what it would be like to live in that world. That's yes. very appealing. And like, so yeah, Jumanji's Athera, uh, my, my other favorite book as a kid, which is where the wild things are, like. Those were and, – and Grinch, like, I didn't imagine living in the cat in the hat world, but all those toys in that crazy world in Whoville, I'm into that. Yeah, they got cantanglers and fanfanglers. Yeah. I actually think that's the Goose best Goodlers part of the newest The Grinch, the 2018 version. It's like I was debating Peter over text you probably saw. Like, I think they actually do the world very well. The colors might be a bit – you know, yeah, assaulting on your senses, but like the actual like contraptions, the geography or the verticality of the city, I think it's probably yeah. the one that I would choose to go daydream in, much so more than Ron Howard's, obviously, and the cartoons simplistic and it's like, you know, it's, it's the time it was made. Um so I actually like. Yeah, I think I think Whoville in that 2018 version feels like Kowloon Walled City. It's 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 they're only building upward. Uh, children are finding grossly uh, uh, grossly unsafe ways of getting around because well why not why not ride in this weird pipe to get downtown why not sled from place to place um I I I I, I totally get that that's one thing about the 2018 version I do like is that like um. Uh, like it grabs a kid's imagination in that one way. Uh, but in other ways, I feel like the movie just doesn't grab anyone's imagination because it's just so like uh, design uh, paint by colors, paint by numbers, paint by numbers. <laughs> paint by colors would be very interesting because it would say <laughs> it would be a red turn all the blue gray, red. turn all the yellow <laughs> orange. 
<laughs> that would be a great like a uh, logic uh, puzzle for a kid is that there's a section that says red and then there's a key that says paint all the red gray. Uh, we should uh, parents yeah, not as amused children. by this. It's been a little bit longer since I saw the Grinch uh, 2018 in theaters and I haven't seen it since. Hey, but I, in I, what? 2018? Oh, in no, theaters. not the year. What is yeah, it's this. Uh, it's, you're not going to believe this. It was a building that just showed movies. <laughs> like, you know, you have a TV. So my house? Yeah, but imagine if your house had more seats, it invites strangers that sometimes you'd sit right next to, Peter. Like, right next to your kids. You wouldn't care. It sounds like a home invasion. Why would I have a stranger in my house? Yeah, but no, but it's not your house. It's just a big building. How much did I pay for popcorn? Oh, a reasonable amount. $80. (laughs) I, I, what? That's like. Per kernel. Per (laughs) kernel. Yeah. That's where they get you, because you think it's a that's, whole bag. but And that's before for, butter charges. Yeah, yeah, but don't yeah, worry. The butter, the butter up charge is high. Also, you, you don't pay get to choose if they're popped. per kernel, you get a bigger bucket. Yeah, you don't get to choose whether they're popped or not. That's like, uh, that's, that's the roulette table of the of the popcorn generator. <laughs> uh, oh, no, green. Who, who picked that? Um double o's uh yeah but i so i haven't seen it since then but i i do remember the design being interesting and well done some of the toy stuff but i also remember it being very staid in a way that didn't um didn't interest me like it's like oh that's a cool design on that toy cool design on the village the world of the grinch is is well rendered but it feels so – I mean, this is just maybe the CGI thing. It feels so hermetically sealed that it doesn't feel like a Dr. Seuss book. Like a Dr. Seuss book, as someone who reads them all the time, I'm sure you do too, um, Bill, they're like well-drawn, but they're really messy. Like it is it is, it is, is not like a precision uh, drawing. And I will say tonally, while it doesn't look – anything like the Grinch should necessarily look. I feel like tonally the best thing you can say about Ron Howard's movie is that like it's a fucking messy ass movie and that does fit with I think um, Dr. Seuss's a, part, a partial aesthetic. Not, not his entire aesthetic but a partial. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but let's, let's, let's I'll give you uh, half credit. So Peter, you were you were more of a not a cat in the hat guy. Uh no, I found the cat in the hat very annoying and like I don't know if we'll have time to talk about the cat in the hat movie, but I feel like that should probably be its own episode uh with I've never Bill seen Fox. It. Yeah. Uh I kind of want to make all of us watch it uh because it has like a pet a weird pedigree to it. Masterclass photographer of their generation <laughs> and it's one of the ugliest movies of all time. <laughs> well, so I mean, I guess I haven't seen have you guys seen cuz I haven't seen the Lorax and I've uh, I tried watching Horton Hears a Who with my daughter, and both of us got bored like twenty minutes in. Um, I I think I I don't know if there's been a successful in any capacity like a, just a true like hey that was three and a half stars or more <laughs> uh, a, a movie and like you know seeing the animated special which we're gonna get to in a second and the. And reading the books as often as I do right now, like, I just, I don't think a full-length movie is possible, or at the very least, I can't conceive of something that would do it well. Now, I would have said potentially the same thing about Where the Wild Things Are, and I think that that movie is fantastic, and it's doing something very interesting. So, I'm not saying that it's not, it's 
you know, impossible to pull off the um, feature length adaptation of a of a takes five minutes or less to read children's book. But whatever they're doing with the Dr. Seuss movies just does not seem does not seem to be to be working. The the widow Geisel after Cat in the Hat uh, rescinded the rights to live action uh, Dr. Seuss adaptations, and I don't know what happened between that and 2018 when they made the animated uh, the Illumination uh, Dr. Seuss. But maybe their kids needed to like put a pool in their backyard or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she and well, she and she wanted. She was very reluctant to give the Grinch um, the adaptation when they went and did it. Um, we'll actually talk about that in a second. But um, yeah, she she did. Bat, she they they loaded her up with dough and she did it. And, and you know, and then obviously Cat in the Hat comes after that, and then they're doing all the animated ones. So you know, I that's such a complicated issue that I don't want to get into. But obviously, Dr. Seuss was very much like, do not make feature length movies out of my books. His wife um, decided to do that later on, um, who then owned those books after his death. Um, I think you can definitely make the case that's not uh, necessarily like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, should we continue to honor his wishes? I don't know. His wife decided that no. Um, or had a different take on uh, what he meant by that. And that's, you know, she controlled the property at that point. So I don't want to yeah. make her into a villain. It is complicated, <laughs> though, when someone has been so clear about not wanting something and then it happens after his death. Yeah, but also, like, that shit enters the public domain and then Disney gobbles it up and then Disney finds a way to make it their uh, domain. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, uh, look at the way that they captured a lot of the Grimm's fairy tales and now, like, how hard it is to, like, work around what Disney did without getting sued. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, same thing with, like, uh, MGM and Wizard of Oz and stuff. Like, um, so, yeah, I I get it. But we'll, we'll get, to, I want to go back to that for a sec. Let's talk about the animated, um, version first. So, uh, it was directed and made by Chuck Jones. Um, the Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, famous animator, his team, uh, Fritz Freeling, all those people. Uh, it has that, it has a tone, it has that feel. Uh, that's such a, uh, even, even as a kid, that's such a familiar, um, facial expression. Like, like, you know, when the Grinch gets disappointed, it's the same face drop that Wiley Coyote does when he realizes he's about to fly into the cliff. So it feels both, it feels very familiar, but also, um, um, but also you just, you just understand everything that's going on. Uh, it's a, it's a, it aired as a CBS special in 1966. Uh, it was 30 minutes long with, uh, with commercials. The narrator is Boris Karloff, who also does the voice of the Grinch. It's essentially for the most part, a narration of, of the story with a few added lines of dialogue to, um, make up a few of the toy names uh, and feast names, kind of like expanding uh, the work. But it was written by Dr. Seuss. So it still has even the new lines that aren't necessarily in the book are there by by Dr. Seuss. And he Dr. Seuss had his hand in and uh, in, in working on a few of these. Uh, Peter was shocked to learn 
that uh, this was the first in a Grinch trilogy. Did you end up watching the the other two at all? I watched. So yeah, I guess I watched quite a bit for this episode. Uh, I watched the <laughs> I watched the Cat in the Hat crossover that uh, the is, Grinch. It's called the Grinch Grinches. The Cat the, in the Hat. The Grinch Grinches. The Cat in the Hat. Um, real quick synopsis of it. The Grinch wakes up one day and he looks in the mirror and in what I can only assume is a is some sort of psychotic episode um, sees his own image and uh, it's similar to Evil Dead, which we covered this year as well. Yeah. Um, he's, he sees his dark image and he's like, you cut up your girlfriend, but instead he's like. You, you should really be kind of an asshole all the time again. Remember when you were an asshole? It's really good to be an asshole. And then he's an asshole to the cat in the hat. So that's 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 what the short is. They kind of have a, a Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd thing that goes on throughout. And then there's the Halloween is Grinch Night, which I think was the last of them. I didn't Maybe. watch that one because the cat in the hat one was so unpleasant. But uh, you know, I would. I remember. I remember liking them as a kid. They didn't compare. They they came out like I think whatever the next one was was seventy four, and then the other one was eighty one. It was still they were all still written by Doctor Seuss, even though there's not corresponding books. Uh, they all had that same uh, members of the Looney Tunes animated animation team, but. And yeah, Chuck they Jones and, and uh, Chuck Jones and uh, Doctor Seuss uh, Geisler had a. Uh, a good working relationship. Uh, he had been Christ. burned by <clears throat> uh, a previous Hollywood uh, situation, and he after that he was like he swore off Hollywood and Chuck. That Jones was the was Five Thousand like, Fingers of Doctor T. Yes, uh, and he, which he is swore, which is a great movie if you've never seen it. I, I haven't. Um, I, I should definitely check that out. But he swore off Hollywood at that point, and Chuck Jones kind of guided him through this. So like, it wasn't that so much that he came back to Hollywood; it's that he came back to Chuck Jones and trusted yeah. him. Yeah, and we'll do these 30-minute animated specials. And even then, like, the Grinch, there's um, (laughs) – I I found this as I was researching it, but they did this for a ton of Dr. Seuss books, and we got suckered into buying a few, where they would just have a narrator read – the book and these video cassettes would be like 12 minutes and you'd pay 15 bucks for them. So like it wouldn't be animated necessarily, but they would just read like um, Dr. Seuss's ABCs and uh, the foot book and it would like zoom in on pages. Do you, does any of you guys remember the way they used to do this? No. Remember that you hear this? Remember this? No. This? Wait, how do you zoom in? Is there a, is there like a little uh, tool or do you open a do you open a like a cardboard what is this like a people on the street thing where they don't know uh, they don't know how to zoom in on pages oh man america the stupidest country in the world i'm a maniac i like that i'm giving i feel like i'm giving you leading questions but i genuinely don't understand how you can zoom into a picture book yeah so um you can still find these on youtube i found one once uh for uh but like it essentially is like they'll start at like a a full shot of the page and then let's say the you know sam i am is talking they slowly zoom the camera into sam i am and then they do a dissolve to the next page or they'll do a pan but they're essentially moving a camera around uh, just the book and then someone's narrating it, and th- so they made a uh, they made a Doctor uh, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas one, which is narrated by Walter Matthau. Um, and I found some people that purchased it, and they were those people were upset that this is eleven minutes long. Why would anyone pay the same amount that you could pay uh, ostensibly pay for the uh, the actual animated special? This feels like it was designed to trick. <laughs> to trick 
kids. Like, because it has a picture from the book. It says, Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Uh, and I guess if you are not a filmy, you might get, oh, I know there's some famous guy who's in there. Walter Matthau. That was probably it. Um, but yeah, so they would they would release these. So you're talking about um, an 11 minute story. They jazz it up with a with a few songs. They extend out some animated sequence. You end up with a 27 minute animated special. And like that, I can understand why he's like this feels like the light the right length. I still have to expand it. It's not as simple as like we just adapt what's on the page. But I can do that. And we can definitely do that with the Looney Tunes team because the Looney Tunes team is amazing at like um, animated physical comedy. Mm -hmm. So we can add these sequences that feel a piece with the material and are also entertaining to watch and don't feel tacked on. And that's going to be the reason I'm calling that out so specifically is how you add to this is going to be very important when we get to the main feature. Um, but I, it is worth noting that even the animated, you know, um, the animated special, which feels like a straight adaptation of the book, essentially is comprised of more than half of added material or sequences or other things in order to kind of pad the runtime of what's essentially an 11 minute book. Let's just note everything for the audience. Grinch gets his idea at seven minutes in this in this special. Yeah. Seven minutes. And the live action Ron Howard version. What kind wait, hold on. What kind of idea, Peter? A wonderful, awful, nasty Thank idea. You, yeah. I don't think it's nasty. Uh, yeah, he's a nasty ass little. He's a nasty ass little Grinch. You're naughty. Call me Theo, Doctor Seuss. Naughty nasty. little Grinch. Um, he's the son of a Grinch. Uh, no, it. Uh, yeah, it's a. It's a, a wonderful, awful idea. Naughty. A wonderful. A wonderful. A no- yeah. Ooh, that's for uh, the. Grunch, which is the X-rated version. <laughs> there is one, believe it or not. What's what's that called? How the how the Grinch like? How the Grinch Grunched boned Grimbus? Christmas. I don't know, um, but there actually is one. I mean, we could look this up. God. That feels like an avenue that we could go down. That I don't want to make a record. Yeah, th- th- of it's probably like this ain't the Grinch Triple uh, X Hustler special. This ain't your daddy's house of Grinch. Just let me look it up on my work <laughs> computer real quick. But it is a daddy. In this the version, Cindy Lou, who just turned eighteen yesterday. <laughs> Cindy, Cindy, Cindy Lou, who, who is legally more than 18. Oh, man. You know, all these mama, links mama just mama say man. Grinch triple X parody. I mean, that's. You think that's what they call it? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're the type of person that's like buying the Grinch porn, I don't think you care that much about Chris. <laughs> I'm boycotting because they you're didn't like, come look, up with a better I'm name. I'm going to jerk off to some makeup effects here. And that's no judgment, but I don't think you're like, oh, really could have taken a second draft of this one. Um, yeah, I. Uh, How's that going to look on my shelf? <laughs> I would love if the spine looked exactly like uh, the spine for the Grinch who stole Christmas, except for there's just one little naughty little red X at the bottom or green X <laughs> at the bottom or an ornament there. Like, it implies his dick's coming out. Hell yeah. Oh. Hell yeah. Ooh. Yeah, the Grinch who gobbled. Okay, Bill, are you going to watch this? Like, uh, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, well, you can report back in a separate episode that is on a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the different podcast, which is yeah, a, 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 
a, a, a straight feed to the uh, Downers Grove police. Um, we love to moan. <laughs> you're going to horny jail, Bill. All right, I'm um, clicking on images. Yeah. Whoa. As someone pointed out on Twitter recently, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, is already too horny of a song. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about this, this short. So there's something that actually is in commonality with uh, the original and the uh, Illumination remake, which is that uh, Boris Karlov does the narration, and he also sings the the Grinch song that literally everyone has heard, and I don't know how we'll make it through this episode without playing it at least once, right, Aaron? Da, 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 da. Yeah. I don't know you're editing, but... Uh, yeah. And it's a good song. You, it's, it's, it's full it's, of very creative 1966 insults that Dr. Seuss wrote. So... <laughs> Oh no! I don't want to look at my phone. Do I? Oh no! Is that what's, what's wrong, Peter? Oh, no. What happened? Did someone oh, no. kick your puppy? No! Phil sent me something that I'm. I, I do not like it a lot. <laughs> it's fan. <laughs> it goose fumbles me and fub doubles me. I <laughs> <laughs> well, now I, well, at least now I know this, the uh, the artwork for uh, the podcast feed. Um, no one should be alone on Christmas. <laughs> all right. So, like, if you focus on the right side of the frame, away from the naked Cindy Lou Who, who is 18 canonically in the image that I've been sent, um, the Grinch makeup's pretty good. Am I wrong? In this porno parody that you just sent me, Bill? And I specifically sent one that wasn't explicit. Yeah, you, I mean, you guys out, are inferring you out the, the nudity. Yeah, this is like a shitty fucking someone's porn apartment. Like it's a it's a studio possibly that they put a wreath up. They spent thousands of dollars on the Grinch makeup and uh, eight dollars on a wreath on clearance in what in June when they shot this. Uh yeah all right well that derailed things yeah yeah well not for me <laughs> the rail is still railed um, <laughs> now you have something to look forward to when you're done recording yeah horrific uh anyways so uh um oh so one thing that's in common is is yeah so that that Boris Karlov uh Boris Karlov it, it adds uh like such a rich uh a rich tonality to the piece like he's Boris Karlov has this sort of like um lovely evil voice uh that was why he was so fun to watch in horror movies for 40 years or whatever um he he has the a, a voice that's perfect for the grinch and they decided to bring yeah. that back in the illumination special by just the narration pharrell do the narration and do the, the updated grinch song yeah and it's so uninspired and like i i really like like uh n-e-r-d and i like a lot of pharrell solo stuff um not happy or anything that he did in association with illumination entertainment um but like uh, yeah i like nerd quite a yeah bit. yeah i like n-e-r-d is basically what i'm saying um oh, and I, you don't you don't call it nerd i think i did for a long time and then someone uh gave me shit so then i i, I course oh. correct it uh, let's go back yeah you're right let's call it nerd I like uh, yeah. I'll, I'll ping. Better. I'll ping pong. Yeah. Someone gave me shit about NERD. Now, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, nerd, nerd I, uh, I I'm a fan of them. But they the idea of having Pharrell do the voices and do like a rap version of the Grinch is like 
on paper you're like yeah he's he's a likable dude but and he has a good, he has an amazing voice but like it doesn't add anything to the piece except for like a little bit of pop energy and that's yeah. not what that movie needs that movie needs any character whatsoever it does not need like another pop star is in here to you know <laughs> hit some high notes for you um so that that's something that like i absolutely love about the original that like in the illumination remake just falls completely flat for me uh, yeah. Is Boris fucking Karloff? Like one of my heroes does the voice in the original Grinch. Yeah, he's uh, and I, I like I like his slight change between narrator and Grinch voice too. It's um, yeah, yeah. He does. All, it, it, it's like he it's like he's turning on his monster voice to scare a kid, but he doesn't want to actually scare it because it's like his grandkid or whatever. Like it, it has a sweetness to the 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 horror sensibility. Yeah. They establish in the original book and then in the animated version, the tiny who's exist in all shapes and sizes. They're who's of various sizes. They're just all considered who's it's very egalitarian in that way. These tiny people, though, apparently also in the animated version need to stand in a series of sequential Matryoshka doll platters to present a single strawberry to Cindy Lou. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um and that that like is such a cute image like cindy lou is so adorable in the original animation and she's very cute in the the ron howard version as well but um that's because she's just a girl a, li- a cute little girl and in the animated version it's a cute drawing of a little girl they don't make the Taylor Momsen character in the Grinch remake into a Dr. Moreau um, monkey rat freak like they do the rest (laughs) of the Who's, which implies to me they knew that the Who's were up to no good, Um, that they made the the character you're supposed to identify with have no real Who markings except for crazy hair. Yeah, I think uh, we'll probably get into this a little bit, but I think it's a kind of a big mistake Ron Howard made of taking the who's from the book in the animated special which are they're they're kind of the whole point of their characters they're generally extremely good people that the Grinch mistakes for selfish assholes but ultimately the Grinch is proven wrong and I think the Ron Howard movie makes a mistake by positing that the Grinch was right but just annoying about it um, where they're all selfish assholes and also the Grinch sucks and essentially an asshole. everyone except Cindy Lou Who and her dad is an asshole and I feel like that might miss a little bit of the point of uh, the book I feel like how that's I a, cha- I, how, wait hold on how do I close this chat window <laughs> I can't keep talking up and seeing that. That's uh, going to derail the podcast. So, uh, um, uh, the people the, are going to wake up Christmas morning and listen to this, and they're going to realize no Christmas is coming. I have absolutely no idea what I'm editing out of this episode. Um, it all stays. The, the Grinch seems to be mad at the original one that that people are having fun without him, and then like as soon as Cindy Lou who is like, "You can have fun with us," he gets on board. Um, whereas, like, uh, in, in you keep calling in the it two- the original one, and I think you're talking about Ron Howard's. 
Cindy Lou Who is in the the original for five seconds. She gets her glass of water and leaves. Yes. Until the end when she's swinging. So there's not a concept of you can have fun with us. That is that is very much a part of Ron Howard's. Speaking of swinging, we should come back to that in Ron Howard's. Yes. We will. Um, yeah, because uh, and you're starting to sound a lot like my daughter who calls the Ron Howard one the real one and got upset when I put on the cartoon. Yeah. and and, and, and But I feel like the point here is that like he – uh, the Grinch gets mad at people for having fun without him, and I don't think that we really need to like establish his outsider bona fides uh, <laughs> any more than that. We definitely do not need fifty minutes or so of of establishing him as an outsider, which is a mistake that the Ron Howard version makes. And there's stuff I like about that out sort of origin story, um, but let's let's step away from that. Um, the uh, Illumination remake as well makes that mistake. They, they were like, well, everyone wants to know the origin of the Grinch. The only thing that they do that improves on that is that they cut the time down for how long we spend on that origin story. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Guy who feels like an outsider to Christmas and, and you know, uh, feels like he, he's, he doesn't quite fit in this town and he looks a little different, like... That's kind of a fun allegorical image that uh, Bill, uh, Bill pointed out in one of our chats. Like, it's not so much a story. It's like just sort of like an allegory or like it's just sort of like a, a structure for a story. And I, I like the yeah. original the original story for that reason. That like he doesn't necessarily need to like have every moment explained. And there's plenty of podcasts talking about, you know, uh, the Star Wars prequels, for instance, how our culture is is uh, addicted to origin stories. Um, there's no um, better I, I, evidence. I don't know if that... our culture is. The movie studios sure seem to think that's the thing we're most interested in. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, movie studios are never wrong. There's yeah. nothing more more of a proof of that than the fact that there was this Grinch movie that yes made a bunch of money, but then uh, the culture immediately rejected uh, in in most ways. Um, yeah, and then. You know, uh, what is it, 18 years later, they make a, a Grinch remake that was ostensibly supposed to be like, all right, let's go back all to right, this let's well. do it right this let's time. Let's do it right this time. Um, and they still they do, do an origin story, which is something that, like, was very clear. that You read any review at the time, what people are most annoyed about is that the movie spent Why so much time. Why do we need time. to know how the Grinch yes. became the Grinch? And they're yes. like, oh, yeah, but we got 90 minutes, so I'm going to throw some out. Yeah. What if we figure out how the Grinch... It's it's the whole world has become the Pat Oswalt joke from fucking 2005, right? Where he's talking about... Um, how George Lucas came up to him and was like, oh, you like Darth Vader? We're going to do more Darth Vader. How about you see him when he's a little baby? And like, no. He's like, you want some ice cream? Well, here's some rock salts. And if you get some, if you get the right tools, you'll be able to make some ice cream from this. And he's like, I just like the things that I like because I like them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to know where everything I like uh, comes from. And I would, I mean, not to be like a little bit... Um, pedantic peter i i and i don't think this is necessarily a wrong interpretation but i guess i've always seen the um grinch less as like an outsider who wants to be around them as someone who um the the kind of idea that like judging people from afar doesn't give you a good sense of who they are as people and so that idea of like this person who's like looking out and like yeah on these fucking days they 
they fucking they show off all their toys and then they eat all this lavish food and what a bunch of fucking assholes and they sing and they annoy me and stuff like that they're just rubbing my face in these kind of like things and like he you know thought it was about you know they just want stuff and they're greedy and they're monsters and all that kind of stuff and and once he you know his turning point in the in the original animated special in the book is him realizing like oh this is this is something else like you know it's the maybe it's something you know maybe christmas is something he hadn't thought of before maybe it's not maybe it's not a way to lavish each other with you know riches and and uh and be gluttons and stuff like that maybe it's a celebration of something else and that i haven't ruined that by taking away the parts that i thought were gaudy and gross about it yes and then recognizing maybe he doesn't you know Maybe there's more to learn about these people, and so I, that's. I just think it's a. I think the the Ron Howard's Grinch is a little bit more that like he is someone who is. I mean, in their origin, he is someone who is hurt and feels rejected and responds to that with, um, uh, you don't like me, fuck you, buddy. I don't like you, and and like um, you know, holds on to that. Hey, but I, I I do think in the in the book that is a little bit more of like there's no indication that he wants to hang out with them until he understands um, that maybe they're not uh, selfish assholes and are actually just people who enjoy each other's <laughs> company in this in this ritual that he wasn't understanding. I think that's I think that's really well put. And like the ending is even sweeter without a a, a, a um. The ending is a little sweeter without a sort of origin story because then at that point, it's just like the town is embracing that weirdo that lived on its periphery and they didn't have much history with. Yeah, they don't have the book in the special. They don't have a come to Jesus moment, right? There's not a point where they have to confront, hey, did you steal our presents? He comes down off of, uh, you know, Mount Crumpet. And the next thing you see is him cutting the feast. That idea of like they immediately accepted The roast beast. The roast beast. They... They immediately accepted there's there's not a they really were good loving people that he had um rejected from a point of he misunderstood ignorance. it. Uh, yeah. And, and uh yeah and and the question becomes why expand this kind of perfect little allegorical story, right? The story about how all of us feel like outsiders uh all of us can feel like bitter little <laughs> bitter little assholes uh particularly in this time of year when uh, the concept of community is so highlighted that like get back, get as close as you can to your community. This is not a time of year to be alone. Like that kind of like pressure that comes in the Christmas time, even if you have a completely toxic community, like get back to your community, um, ignoring the fact that we're in 2020 and, and, and you, to protect your community, you actually should be very far away from them. Um, um, ignoring yeah. all that, like I, I, I want to give Bill Fox a big smooch on the lips, but unfortunately, we're half a country apart. Um, so the question becomes, why why expand this? Uh, and and I, I believe what we should do is consider the concept of uh, money. That's super explicit, right? Because not only did that um, – did a large amount of money, I think $5 million and like a percentage of the gross convince uh, the widow Geisel to sign over the rights. But uh, Ron – like Ron Howard did not want to direct this movie. Ron Howard doesn't want to direct anything except for <laughs> stuff about race cars and spaceships. But people keep fucking making them. People you keep would. making them direct – yeah, direct, uh, direct fine, movies. Fine. But, I'll do a Star Wars. Fine. But fine. It, it, 
it wasn't and i think you know i think when we talked about where the wild thing things are i don't know your guys' feelings about that movie but at the very least you had a director who has a vision who had a take who passionately tried to convince uh the author's uh, estate marie sadak to to give him the rights and they pitched him on his belief and this is totally different this is a movie studio who <laughs> who went to uh went to miss geisel and said hey we'd like this thing you have at your house that you're not using anymore how about if we give you money and then they worked to find a director who would take the project uh ron howard had no connection to the material not that he didn't like it but he was kind of like yeah it's doctors he you know he was he like, actually had to have a- someone teach him how to read yeah he's like that book with the pictures how would i this is not a story it's just a picture book then someone's like no, those things in the in the sides and stuff like that. They're words that tell us stories. Like what? Uh, uh, and uh, and then he's like, I've been coloring in this book forever. Uh, finally, someone taught me ways. But no, uh, that person was Brian Grazer, who convinced him uh, to your point, uh, Peter, that if they made this, this would make a lot of money. Uh, and that's how Ron Howard got involved. And I. There's a couple things on that note. I guess I would just say really quickly before we get into the the uh, the, the specifics of the plot of the movie. Like, I don't think Ron Howard phoned it in. Um, in that, especially from a production design perspective, and a set design, and all these other things. But I would say his l- relatively limited connection to the material feels like it has a lot of moments that. Like, I'm not saying it has to be respectful to the original material, but it's almost like he is ashamed of the material or Jim Carrey is ashamed of it or the writers who also had uh, wrote, who you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is a, you know, good, good movie on on any level. Like, anytime they're doing something that is straight from the book, they it feels like they're super cynical about it. And they don't have the confidence of, no, I have a vision about this movie that I want to get out there. I have a story I want to tell. And I think that's why you end up with this, like, Jim Carrey uh, mishmash uh, weird movie. Now, one of the conditions of making the movie was that they had to cast a huge name as the Grinch. And uh, the, they, there was a list of approved actors, including Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, not surprising, every list that Jim Carrey was on uh, for a while there. Uh, Robin Williams was on too, including like, he's going to play the Riddler. Oh no, I guess it's Jim Carrey. Well, that's the same, basically. Um, yeah, there's two silly white comedians and who's going to come out on top? And then Jack Nicholson was one of the other people, which I would have been more interested in seeing. Uh, That's probably the one I'm most interested in seeing. Yeah, sorry. Um, Like, I actually, to jump in really quickly, I think Jim Carrey was well cast. I think Ron Howard was just not the right director because Ron Howard does not rein in anybody's. Does uh, not rein in anyone. Not anyone. Yeah, and uh, this kind of was the... anything. I think I think Jim Carrey was the right person to cast. And there's moments in the movie where you're like, "Holy shit, Jim Carrey was the right person to cast." Um, but the uh, Jack Nicholson version <laughs> is starting to entice me a little bit. The idea of a uh, Grinch, a Grinch who's uh, you know has uh, a, a low simmering sexualness, but also uh, can't move that fast, is pretty funny to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Grinch isn't designed as like fit in the book. I think you can, I think you can make two thousand Jack Nicholson. But yeah, speaking, I mean, not only can is it hard to rein in Jim Carrey, and he was at a time when he was his most like, I want to make him laugh. Everything I do is goofy. Um, in mode. Um, 
yeah like he was he was at the top of the world like you can't rein in 2000 jim carrey now i think he would to your point peter i think you would make a better grinch because i don't think he would feel like he needs to be like i gotta be ace ventura everything i say has gotta be a joke the kids gotta love it the, the um, trick with jim carrey though is that he has like he's he's a seasonal he has like game of thrones seasons almost in his brain yeah. where he's like serious wonderful actor and then uh, the dumbest person you've ever met, and then serious, wonderful actor, and those arcs are not year long. Those arcs. No, he's, are it's, it's not like he. It's not like long. he outgrew this. Like I've seen his Biden impression. Like he's yeah. he he still knows how to go. Like to that, I'm just gonna go to the top all the time. Yeah, um, and I I would I would I would actually like fairly staunchly disagree that Jim Carrey was miscast in this movie. I think I it, I would say his performance is is um. He uh, he's committing to being Jim Carrey more than he's committing to the Grinch. Well, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, well what get, is the we'll Grinch? It's we'll like get a to, yeah, yeah. Twelve a, minute a, story. That's a great question. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, it's, let's, it, let's but it's there. not. It's not nineties Jim Carrey. I don't like whatever don't it is. Know. It's not Ace Ventura. Can you prove I, that? Yeah, I, I actually yeah. think Jim Carrey rightly interpreted that how do you make the evil of a character fun? And the, the way you make the evil of the character fun is to make him a big boogeyman who's bad at being a boogeyman because he ultimately isn't that evil. He just likes the he likes the aesthetic of evil. He likes you, you yeah. can't he likes make to him be, evil. The, the story yeah, breaks tries, down if he's he actually tries and tries it. Yeah, but he's not goofy. Like I don't know. Like he's not. I, I I would hardly say the problem with Jim Carrey is that he's not goofy. <laughs> he's a remarkably silly boy. He's a, he's another he's another. Um, I another mean, tall drink of water. <laughs> if you think facts. about it, it makes all the sense in the world that Jim Carrey has been outcast, right? I mean, yeah. I, this maybe was they the missed the mark like, with like the no shaving scene, makes. and they just outcast him because he was freaking annoying. Right, yeah. and apparently he was annoying on the set. He, he's a, he's a character. He's, he sounds like a fucking nightmare to work with. It's just a nightmare to work. It with. It sounds yeah. like he's a nightmare to work with, but his name sells fucking tickets. So it's a, this movie and um, Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon. Yeah. Are, are, well, he are, like he's doing method. Well he's doing method he, acting. Yes, he's doing method acting, which is uh, a thing that an, annoying actors do. There's there's a there's a there's a nice version of method acting, which is. Marsha Gay Harden on the set of The Mist, sort of sitting apart from her coworkers and reading the Bible yeah. because her character is supposed to be an, a villain. And then when a, 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 a somebody walks up to her, she just kind of closes her Bible and says like, oh, hi, how are you? Because she's a fucking human yeah. being. The other version of uh, method acting is um, refusing to come to set on time because the Grinch would never come to set on time. <laughs> The Grinch doesn't listen to Ron Howard. Um, yeah, like there's there's method acting and then there's like, I'm really into my character and it's easier for me to be in my character if I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I sit a little bit further from the cast. I don't go to the social events with the cast. I don't go to the bar with the cast. Like there's, 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 uh, there's making condolences <laughs> to, you know, making sure your energy is good on camera. And then there's like, I'm actually having fun being an asshole energy. And that's like... Uh, one of my favorite tweets is there's i forget where it is a long time ago but says that something along the lines of like you know how 
I know method acting is bullshit because you never hear method acting stories when their characters are nice and they're just super good guys for months. <laughs> like, they, <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be like fun, oh, they like... started giving to charity more and like helping people move in the cast because do you that's think what Bill Murray character was stuck in his post Scrooged character in method acting for about five years? Yeah, like it's. Uh... It, it's just like, oh, here's an excuse I have to be an asshole to yes, everyone exactly. uh, with no consequences. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take that and that just makes you an asshole. Just run with that. It'll work. Actor. Uh, yeah, the last thing I want to say and then we get to the movie is that – so I think Brian Grazer kind of did everyone a little bit dirty in that. I would have at the very least liked to see someone with a take direct this as, as opposed to someone who's just convinced to – do it because it would be a big hit and it was a big hit um but i think it is important to note according to um brian grazer's um wikipedia entry hold on i accidentally closed out of this but this is important seems i think i think i think it explains a lot and i just want to be comprehensive on our risk according to wikipedia and this is source this isn't one of those citation needed there's a whole article he's a keen user of jump ropes it is personal life information (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i don't know if it explains it but it doesn't not explain it (laughs) so are we ready to talk about how the grinch stole christmas to the quest for more money yeah, we finished talking about How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and now we're going to talk about How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Absolutely. You guys ready to talk about How the Grinch Stole, how the Grinch stole Christmas? I'm ready. Point me to danger. Yeah. yeah. Can we get some alternate taglines up in here? Oh, up in where? Like on the hill above Whoville? Yeah. Let's uh crump it to crump. Uh yeah, the movie where <laughs> Christine Barinsky um in 2000 seemingly made a huge mistake by picking uh jim carrey's grinch character over jeffrey tamp respected arrested development soon to come jeffrey tambor and now has made the best decision of her life by uh choosing jim carrey as the grinch yeah, at the time the sort of uh, uh fake news mayor of Whoville uh seemed the wise choice because he wasn't uh, a large green pervert. Uh, who was walking around going, nah nah, nah nah, nah nah. Can you imagine if your wife was accepted your proposal and you were going, nah nah? My wife likes me because I'm a bad boy. You know, like wh- a, whatever a, works for you. It's a whiny Aaron. boy. It's a whiny boy, Peter. Yeah, I think everyone in the who who world is whiny. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so where are we? We are in Whoville, which spoilers is on a giant snowflake um, because everyone there is a giant snowflake. Um, <laughs> the liberal me. This is what happens, Peter. This movie movie has at the end of it the same thing, the same ending as Men in Black, but it has an inverse reaction out of the audience. (laughs) The real audience in Men in Black went, that's pretty cool. Like, uh, our universe within a universe, within a marble, within the pocket of a larger deity, that's pretty cool. At the end of this movie, they're like, and everything was on a snowflake, and you're like, 
I, I, why do I feel, de- why do I feel dead inside? It's gotta be like Horton hears a who, the snowflake then falls on the tiny Well, they're town. who's, right? Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> who's. So theoretically, it's the same universe. They live on tiny objects. The good thing about a snowflake, if there's a good chance that it's gonna crash and melt and they're all gonna die. Yeah, there's gonna be a <laughs> flood. It's gonna be like 2012 with John Cusack. It's gonna be great. Oh, so, whoever's so, the fucking apocalypse guy who's like ringing a bell in Whoville is the is the fucking worst. You just know it. The guy's like, "We're living on a snowflake. <laughs> it's all coming down. The flood is coming. The flood is coming." Like fuck, yeah. That. That's, the, that's the worst two it's, of all. It, it is. It is like a quite literal heat death of the universe, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, oh, the end is nigh, so say goodbye! Ho, ho, ho! Celebrate Christmas while you can before the flood comes and washes away your sins! There's actually, like, a line to be drawn here, because the Lorax one's about all the trees are gone and they're out of oxygen. Like, this is surprisingly more interconnected than I realized. Well, yeah, no, yeah, Christmas, there's, there's, our there's entire culture's deeply. built around Christmas because it's just the one time. <laughs> I don't want my family to suffer, so I bought a gun tangler. <laughs> if you're confused, all of us are the same age, just different sizes. Cindy Lou Lou is 40 in our years. Boot bangler, arsenic in my food. <laughs> Might as well just have the, the roast beef and you let the poison take you. <laughs> Add some of the applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see whatever the sunshine is for the the Who universe. (laughs) I mean, great news. You never see the sunshine because Ron Howard has imagined a world filled with darkness. He's like, I saw Batman. That's the same world that they live in, right? Where it's always night. Yes. It's because they shot in a warehouse. Oh, wait, hold on. Is this the point where I I admit I like this movie? I like it too. Where do I I say that? Yeah, I know you guys like it. And Peter, on one of our, our first I've been talking episodes, shit about it for like an hour. Look, it's <laughs> I not, still like it. I think we all agree it's not good. On our first Christmas episode, we when we used to do segments, we listed, uh, we talked about how much we love Christmas movies, and we talked about despised or disliked Christmas movies, and we did a game to check off whether we liked them or not. And the joke was that we basically liked them all, which was true. But that was before I had watched this over and over and over again. Um, and even my first rewatch back in like 2017, since I had seen it in the 2000s, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this that much. And then it became a movie that Maya watched over and over all year round when she was like three. And then I'm like, I really don't like this. And even revisiting it, like I, I appreciate the spectacle and the audacity and, and honestly the nerve to make this to make like, the unmitigated gall <laughs> yeah you i mean i mean bill you sent a pornographic picture earlier no i didn't um i think making this movie 105 <laughs> minutes is pornographic um and, and maybe for that. you yeah <laughs> but pervert <laughs> that that wasn't pornographic. Yeah, Cindy Lou Who just dropped something under the couch. <laughs> I don't know. I think she's yeah. I think she's getting railed from behind by the Grinch. Um, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa! So I, I guess you're right. It has you make a really good down. point though, and that that is that is a point that I will concede. The it's illumination version. If I if I were to have a child, be obsessed with one version. It would be the Illumination version because, uh, Aaron, you referenced Nathan Rabin earlier. Um, the 
the thesis that I'm going to base a lot of what I'm, I'm saying here is that um, this is a, an assault on the senses, a, a, and sometimes a, you like being assaulted. A specific vision, a yeah. aggressive, assaultive, specific vision uh, that is at times entertaining. Uh, is better than a, a a lack of vision, and I think the Illumination version is worse than the Ron Howard version in that the Ron Howard version is uh, is uh, aggressively full of vision, and the Illumination one has absolutely nothing to nothing to assert. There's no there's no there's no aesthetic to it. It's just it's just so grimly boring. And in that sense, it's it's far worse because the Grinch who stole Christmas, uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas, uh directed by Ron Howard, actually made me have emotions. Uh at times those those, <laughs> those emotions were annoyance, uh but but uh I had a range of just like Wow, that's really beautiful. Wow, that is ghastly. Who would put this in front of my eyeballs? Oh, geez, like this, this, this. Maybe there's something to there's something to this. This is the worst movie you've ever seen. This is the best movie I've ever seen. Like that happens in a 15 minute sequence, and then it loops <laughs> back on itself over and over again while you're watching this movie to the point that like I'm pretty sure I'm pretty confident it's a bad movie, but it's a bad movie. That I just love. I just fucking love to watch because it's just so garish. It's so glaring. It's aggressive. It gets in your face, man. Yeah, I, I agree with you that I'd rather watch this than the Illumination one. It has more <laughs> as a one-off. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do think it's a triumph of when. See, that's the thing. When you say a vision, I actually think that as a directorial or even a cinematographer vision, this movie looks like shit. I think the triumph here is the impeccable details of uh, set design, prop design, costuming, makeup. Like, they are going for something so goddamn uh, all-encompassing and specific that even though I think that this is relatively poorly directed, um, I think that the camera can't help but look at all this insanity that's been created for them to play in. And so it, it can't help but like seemingly have a vision. But I, I just I, I think it's a, a a vision of design over direction overall. I think it's a cohesive design, though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The Illumination one is is a uh, utter lack of distinction. Uh, the Ron Howard one is distinguished whether you like that vision or not is totally fair. <laughs> like, yeah. that's fine. And I also, I, I at times find myself hating this movie and loving it within a, like I said, a 15 minute sequence. But all right, let me go through the Yeah, there's some quick. parts that make me laugh. And there's a couple parts that I think, like, I think are well acted. I, I don't, um, yeah, I don't, I don't like hate it in the same way. Like, I didn't like Mix Nuts or Christmas with the Cranks or something like that. Like, it's, it's a movie that's worth talking about. Even this movie feels without movie. compromise. No, it's. I think it's a bad movie that's worth discussing and talking about and occasionally watching. Seems like a cop out. You like it or you no, don't? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think it is. No, I think that's the nature of the show, though. Is that like just calling something bad or horrible is like not in our nature. Like we need to like we need to really pick at that wound for a while. Um, I mean, <laughs> Peter was when when I didn't realize this, but Peter was texting about it like. Peter gave it one star on Letterboxd with a like, which is his way of saying, like, this is a recognizably a movie that is not well done, but the sum of its parts end up making something uh, unique and, and 
and worth watching. It's, you know, in, in the way that, like, Peter and I don't, like, hate watching movies that we seriously don't enjoy watching. Yes. I mean, there's always something going on in this movie. <laughs> like, yes. this movie's got a lot. This movie has a lot. It's got the demon Grinch baby and all the other things Peter's about to talk about. Yeah, one star with a with a heart essentially means... <laughs> It's five stars. That uh, at this point, I like the movie despite being willing to recognize that it's bad. Anyways, um, let's get to it. So the plot of the Grinch, uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas. Um, you would think it's easy to run through because everybody knows the story. But uh, when we get to that part, I will scream past it uh, because the first hour is not the version from the story. The first hour is about a uh, dark and creepy man who was hurt by society, uh, cast off, uh, and then now comes down to do terrorist attacks on the Whoville village below. So who is the Grinch? Uh, the Grinch is a uh, an orphan uh, who arrived in, well, I guess everyone in Whoville is an orphan if they all arrive on a, on a stork, right? Um, I don't know. There's adopted. the point where my... Six-year-old picked Burnsky it up. definitely fucks. My six-year-old picked it up and he's like, he looks like your boss. Right? And so he got a laugh out of my wife and now my six-year-old runs around being like, our new baby's here. He looks like your boss. <laughs> Anyways. Wow. I'm surprised that, uh, I'm surprised my sister does not hate this movie then. Wow. It implies that there is some influence over the outcome that the stork delivers. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it's like it's 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 like your uh, your your cummies are actually just sending up a flare when they reach the yes. uterus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weird adult jokes in this that I think. Oh, there's and there's one that was vetoed by uh, uh, Miss Geisel. Do you know what it is? If a key party made it in the movie, I've got no idea. <laughs> they wanted to have one family that was not, that did not celebrate Christmas in Whoville uh, called the Hoosteens. Uh yeah, that seems yeah. That's probably. She said she said, please don't do that. Yeah, probably right for a place. variety of reasons. One, the whole part about Whoville is that everyone celebrates Christmas, and uh, yeah, don't just make a Jewish joke for no reason. My husband didn't like that. Yeah, yeah, that 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 feels bad, uh, especially. Uh, I don't. I don't think this movie had the delicacy to handle that. Oh, you don't, you don't think this movie's delicate? It's because I'm green. <laughs> because I'm green, isn't it? <laughs> So the Grinch is uh, living up on Mount Crumpet. He comes down to launch terrorist attacks on Whoville. He is the 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 the, uh, the scourge of Whoville. Everyone is terror terrorized of him. Um, and he essentially has a long history with the town uh, in that he grew up there, and uh, the mayor. Uh, <laughs> Mar was it Martha May Martha May Huvier? Um the mayor's girlfriend Martha May Huvier, um played by Christine Baranski. Um they both had a relationship with him going back to when he was a kid. Um and everyone's kind of curious about this Grinch. Uh in some ways he's the local book. It's a little bit nightmare on Elm Street where like all the adults know the secret. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Like they they know the sin that they they uh, they committed in the past, and that created this situation. Um, but nobody wants to go fix it except for little Cindy Lou Who, who is the uh, daughter of the mailman humanoid. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, she's she's more humanoid, more human than I don't, human. I don't know why Daughter of the Mailman sounded like a joke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that your dad's, I just realized your dad's that that was mailman. serious. You're right. Yeah. He is the mailman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, your dad's probably the mailman. He is. Yeah, that's like my dad he used is. to tell me my dad was the mailman. But in the movie, it's actually right. <laughs> Why is there a mail system in the Whoville at all? Like, it doesn't seem like the mail leaves the town. It seems like Whoville is a self-contained ecosystem on a on a snowflake. Well, they send letters to each other rather than walking around the block. Had they considered that a pneumatic tube system, a pneumatic vacuum tube system would be more efficient than a mail system? Perhaps. Maybe they. I mean, they need the most complicated. Their their way of like the the quickest line between two points is a wiggly crazy suit. Yeah, exactly. That's true. I mean, like them. When you look at any major highway system, it looks like the Who's designed it. You're like, well, how do we get two cars there? Well, you do a loop de loop and a zippity dee da. Um, so the Who's they have a lot of silliness, and it's frankly not condoned by me or or the Grinch. Um. And he comes down, he, he fucks with their fuck fanglers, he uh, doodles with their dude danglers, uh, he does a lot of bad stuff. Eventually, Cindy Lou so he, he They're literally like, oh, they're talking about me, see? I'm gonna put on this cloak and just cause a bunch of mischief. I'm gonna take this, I'm gonna do it's, it's It's really not terrorism as much as it is mischief and pranks. I mean, if we're gonna yeah, be honest. But it's, it's just annoying. Yeah, that's why they outcast yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, I guess if he had a body count, it would be terrorism. But he does cause like I'm gonna blow up the post office. He does blow up shit. But the federal crime, like, buddy. He does cause like issues that uh you know could lead to fatalities. They just don't. Um. So the 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 old Grinch gets invited by Cindy Lou Who to become part of the town. He this is what we were kind of referencing before. He kind of wants to be part of the town, but because he is not, he is. Uh, resentful and uh, angry at the townsfolk and he gets uh, invited back in by Cindy Lou who um, he gets to ride in the chair of cheer um, and he gets to uh, at her at her sort of uh, social risk um, experience the town uh, joy of the town again uh, he is triggered by childhood trauma during this event where uh we find out that as a child um he made a very special gift and shaved his face to try and impress Martha May Huvier uh the the, the mayor is a, just a disgusting little boy disgusting little Jeffrey um he uh made fun of him caused the whole town including including uh the teacher to laugh at uh the Grinch and the Grinch said, I hate Christmas! And he ran away to Mount Grumpet. That was a great where, uh, Grinch voice. Thank you. Um, it's the little boy from, is it Visions? What's the, what's that, that soap opera? Uh, the Feral Child. Visions. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Feral Child from Road Warrior is <laughs> played the Grinch. That would have been great casting if they made a Grinch movie in the 80s. Just cast the Feral Child as the Grinch. It reminds me of him. I think if the feral, I think if the child runs away because a couple of things are going on here. One, it's not Christmas; it's all these assholes. Um, and then two, you think his moms would have come and like what horrible God. parenting! 
They've let the child oh, well, run away was, to a mountain. You know what? He needs his space for the next 50 years. I mean, the Everyone mayor's clearly know jealous. where he is, right? Like, did well, the, that's... There's no moment where the, the, the those two moms, the two old spinsters who, uh, uh, you know, ended up with this baby... Um, who are... But, like, as a baby, they're just... They're his adoptive parents. Like, I mean, that's true of, like, he was five, but, like, he's an infant when they get him. And they yeah. just let him run away. And they just let him run away as, like, a first grader. They're like, well, they were kind of mean to him. It's like, I don't know, go talk to the teacher, the principal. I mean, because... Again, this, it's all this the goes mayor. back to my whole problem with, like... The whole point of the fucking book is that the Who's are, like, good people who are misjudged. I think the Grinch has judged them extremely accurate, and that's a problem for the, the story you're trying to tell. It really is. I mean, it's really the mayor, though. I mean, I'll point all the fingers at him. This was my thesis, you know. In- His moms don't come and get him. They're like, I guess he lives on the hill now. Yeah, but they don't drive him away. They're just bad parents. He chose that hill to die on, literally. But they're just bad parents. The mayor is like the fake news, you know. Yeah, but everyone's bad, right? Because everyone's laughing at him. The teacher's laughing at him. The parents are like, well, I guess that kid does suck. It was really bad for our our image. Fuck that kid. Yeah, our brand was horribly maimed by this green boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think like he could use a a comfort from his mom's instead of like no attempt to ever reach him again. It feels like they were embarrassed of him too or something. Maybe they thought he went home. I mean, you think about him floating in on that basket, like the wind blows and he, you know, displaces another child. It kind of leaves you believe there's like two mountains over, a town full of green people. And they now have a who who they've outcast to a mountain. Yeah, they assumed he went to the Who version of the Ak- Akiogara suicide forest. <laughs> my my almost my almost three year old uh, really likes the Mercer Mayer book, uh, the Little Critter book. Uh, I, I I was so mad, and uh, she she asked me to read it all the time. And there's a part of I was so mad where he says he's going to run away because he's so mad. It's the whole point of the book. So sometimes, now that we've read that a lot of times, sometimes when my uh, my daughter Elliot is um, so mad, she tells me I'm going to run away. And here's the key thing about parenting. You don't let them. Hmm. Oh. You don't you, – you aren't like, oh, shit. My parents well, did not the door. Go walk. Yeah. Uh, my parents were like, fine, run away. And then I didn't make it very far, but – yeah, I mean that's that's really the whole key. Just don't if they can be mad, they can be upset. It happens to kids. Sometimes other kids are mean, and they may want to run away from home. It's it's extremely critical. And this is again, it's my second kid, so I, I know all the parenting tips. Don't let them just run away forever. And beyond that, once you learn where they live now, and the whole town knows, might consider following up on the yeah. child that was once yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, agreed. If they do run away it, and you find them, it's important oh, well. to you want to go live yeah, on a mountain. Well, well, I guess he's fine. He's not the he's not that that uh, that guy who thought World War Two kept going yes. on into the fifties. Like. Oh, the Vietnam guy who they pulled out like six years later, like still holding down his trench. That feels like a deleted scene uh, in the in the origin story is the, the, the parents going up there and uh, the Grinch firing a, a rusted bolt-action rifle at them. Eating like a moldy MRE and like... <laughs> <laughs> he's in almost yeah it's, it's but it's like uh it's like a who hash mre and it's got like 38 angles <laughs> i mean i guess that's part of the problem right like 
he he at most has a first grade education. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Like, there's only so many more levels you can climb if your starting point is first grade. Like, how do you... How do you get past that? My daughter's in first grade. I don't I don't think she would get to eighth grade or higher on her own. Yeah, but it is impressive he survives second. on the mountain by himself, you know? I mean, it's yeah, impressive, and but like... Yeah, references from the year 2000 in, in America. <laughs> he's very familiar with Happy Days star Ron Howard's directorial style. Right. Uh, we I have to ask a question about that. So, how did the Ron Howard riff happen? So, there's a scene in the movie where, um, oh, sorry, let me let me do the recap real quick and yeah, we'll, let's we'll loop it, back yeah, to that. Uh, so, the Grinch decides to do the story from how the Grinch stole stole Christmas. Now that he hates the Who's so much because they well, no, he goes back and because he goes the back, they burned him back. Like, they 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 burned him back because they give him they give him a, a pair of clippers, which, um, like I said, he he's been triggered by childhood trauma. Yeah, and he remembers how badly the town, uh, or at least his class plus his teacher, yeah, what a rejected bunch of fucking him. Assholes! They're fifty years later. They pulled the same goddamn trick to be and an everyone's, asshole after the everyone is just it's all the mayor just yeah, laughing. They love yeah. it. And he, the, this old, this old Grinch guy, he gets, he gets right pissed. He goes back to being the Grinch harder than ever. He goes freaking hard in the paint, uh, yeah. the green paint, because the Grinch loves green, just like the Joker. And he goes up to Mount Crumpet. <laughs> someone make someone make a right after they give him the clipper where it's I will become the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> All the naughty boys love love green. It's just yeah. the way it works. Um, He's dancing down the sta- down the the stairs to whatever Smash Mouth song <laughs> plays in the background in the party scene of this movie. Yeah, all the naughty boys, the Grinch, the Joker, and Ralph Nader all love green. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, the way that we're gonna we're gonna tackle the rest of this recap is that the Grinch does a does a Christmas. He steals he, Christmas. He steals he steals it up. You know the story comes down and steals Christmas, brings it up to the top of Mount Crump, and he's gonna dump it. He's gonna fucking dump it. He's gonna destroy Christmas. Everyone's really sad. Uh, in this version, though, Cindy Lou Who is the one who inspires them all to be like. Hey, Christmas is not about consumerism, and they, for some fucking reason, decide that that's true. And <laughs> and, um, and also, it's uh, it's not about uh, body shaming a person again after fifty years. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not about body shaming a, a, a man who, which, mind you, in in, in the modern cave. in the modern day. It's it's okay to have a beard after the age of five. You just have a beard. It's considered fashionable in some in some areas. Yeah, this um, is a society that like is fine with microscopic cars because yeah, those people are different. They don't they don't they don't body shame the people that are six inches tall, <laughs> but yeah. they do body shame someone who can grow a beard at the age of thirty five. Yeah, prepubescent beards <laughs> old, are a bad thing. Think the Grinches. <laughs> I don't know. How old is the Grinchmas? Well, for 53 years, he put up with it now. So, I mean, (laughs) theoretically, he's 60 in in this movie. How old is the Grinch? He's 60. I mean, uh, he says for 53 years, I put up with it now. (laughs) So, it's he's seven when he goes off to live in the hills. So, he's 60 years old. Yeah. Let's just say he's had high risk for getting cold. <laughs> he immediately gets welcomed back into the town at the end of the movie. And he gets put in a nursing home. 
<laughs> I know you were living independently on Mountain Crumpet, but this just cannot stand. He has a change of heart, comes down, and a global pandemic has decimated Whoville. Everyone's dying. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, though... Uh, to be honest, though, Grandpa loaded up all your Christmas presents and the Christmas lights in the car and then drove to the top of the mountain is a senile thing, right? Yeah, I mean, this could have been, this could have really been like how the Grinch got Gran Torino'd. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. With like the punky older brother. Clint Eastwood, who refuses to wear the makeup. Like, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like, you you idiot, you got that green fur. And he's like, no, I don't. <laughs> what are Take you talking about? Punk. Oh, I'm going to steal Christmas. The teenage brother in his friend's house and like wake him up in their <laughs> sleep and torture them. Like it's. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I steal Christmas, I don't steal the decorations. I steal all your heads. <laughs> I'm here for your Christmas spirit. <laughs> uh, He's talking ho, to an empty ho, ho. chair, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> let me ask let me ask you a question. Did I hoe five times or six times? <laughs> uh but yeah, the Grinch decides uh that that uh you know Christmas is good for some fucking reason and he gives and the, the presents back and everyone is super happy. They welcome him Cindy, to the Well Cindy Lou who convinces um Christine Barinsky breaks up with Jeffrey Tambor and chooses the Grinch to inch Grinch is like yes in your face <laughs> so like <laughs> talk about like just doing something that's like um only designed to make a person second guess their decision immediately um but again first grader so I mean that's just sad I guess we should be we should be seeing how we can get I mean, it's 53 years Help. in the making uh, you know? so re- really quick um i guess here's here's why this movie has g- gone from like i actually have a little bit of a problem with it to uh, besides it's just like aesthetic overload which i at least think is interesting like the thing i referenced earlier about him having a complete lack of confidence in the susian or the the home style or the not home style but like the homey type lessons and stuff like that and the way dr seuss i feel like this movie is scared of those things and feels like it's worried about making fun of it and so it's like i'm going to that stuff is 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 passe and i'm going to comment on it so that everyone knows we also think it's stupid and i really dislike that because um i feel like it it undermines like you can do this huge like um oppressive (laughs) uh live action grinch movie but to kind of be like yeah the dr seuss stuff is so 60s which in fairness i I don't want to say in fairness but like that is that is at very least a very 2000 era attitude pre 9-11 attitude um but there was a a a tenor of like this is a kid book from the 60s like this is you know we're so over this things are hip now and stuff like that so i I think that was probably the idea and jim carrey is i think especially in the 90s specifically is the ultimate embodiment of that but a couple examples that i want to like call out specifically is there's a part where jim carrey we get into the actual how the Grinch stole Christmas. He hatches his plan. And so he's saying the lines of dialogue 
from the fucking book. Like we're finally getting to the parts that we have adapted and he is obviously rhyming because Dr. The Dr. Seuss book rhyme. And he like winks to the camera and goes, Oh no, I'm speaking in rhyme. And it's like, well, this is like the part that we've waited for. And you're like, this is so silly. I'm such an you know idiot. And it, and it feels super detracting. And then I like the, the other part I'll call out. I have more examples, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of this throughout the, the movie where the, but two examples should should generally suffice. So when the sled is going through over at the end and he's realizing he can't save it, his reaction to that is the um, is to say, well, whatever, it's only stuff. We'll let it go. And he just kind of accepts that it's going to fall. Uh, and then, of course, because I guess they like, well, this is the whole metaphor that he saves Christmas. He, he, <laughs> this is the whole thing. He, he uh, summons inhuman strength. Because he realizes that he's taken away something that didn't deserve to be taken away. His heart grows three sizes. That's executed so well in the cartoon, right? Where it grows and he all of a sudden grows like the Looney Tunes strength where he picks it up over his head. And this Grinch, even though he's quote unquote realized the true meaning of Christmas or whatever, he's like, well, whatever. It's stuff. They won't care because it's stuff. And then – so I guess they need to find a new motivation for him to do it. And Cindy Lou Who has made her way on the sled. And now he's like, well, I can't let her die over this cliff. The one, the only good who in the whole fucking snowflake. Um, <laughs> and so now he has to figure out how to summon his superhuman strength to save her. And it feels like, again, the movie being like, this is, you know, no one could necessarily summon this just to save all these presents. It's this tiny little hill and this giant sled. And we need to give them a motivation that 2000 new millennium audiences would really buy. And it, it, and like those two and all the other examples in the movie like that just feel so like, did you, do you not like Dr. Seuss? Do you not like this book? Like, why are you even doing this unless it really is just a – you know, it, it feels so cynical all the way through. And I think ultimately, um, while I can enjoy the gaudiness of it, like, my actual problem with the movie is all that stuff. It's like, why would you adapt, Doc, you know, How the Grinch Stole Christmas if you hate How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Or are embarrassed that people will think it's uncool if you like it? I – disagree that ron howard feels embarrassed by it i think ron howard genuine genuinely wants to adapt it to a new audience which is a uh a, a, just a, a fucking minefield right like I, I i just because just because just because you try to adapt it to a new audience doesn't mean you you necessarily have um revulsion for it i i just think that it's an inherently fraught endeavor um, because you, you, what you're doing is you're taking something that everyone is familiar with. Like I, I talked about earlier, it took seven minutes for the Grinch in the original special to come up the come up with the idea of stealing Christmas. It takes sixty minutes for this Grinch, the Ron Howard Grinch, a character who famously hates Christmas, to come up with the idea to steal Christmas. And then after that, there's forty five more minutes left of the movie. So like. It, it's not so much that he has revulsion for the character or the concept. It's that he actually wants to figure out what could make in a live action context to make this character appealing to an audience. And what he does is he places it within a comedic persona where the person can make mean spirited, extremely 90s. Uh, style jokes but 
the right people. So, I mean, sorry, the right person, uh, the right who, whosen, uh, Cindy Lou Who, is not threatened by this because she sees right through his gag. Everyone else sees him as an asshole. So, like, I think Ron Howard has actually really, or, you know, the screenwriters, really on to something here, um, which is, how do you how do you modernize the Grinch? And you're like, you make his comedy more snappy, more biting, um... And whether or not those jokes land is kind of irrelevant because the intent of it is um, we're going to modernize the comedy. We're going to make it snappier. We're going to make it a little bit more cynical because the idea is the Grinch is a Gen X cynic um, who hates Christmas and has been burned by Christmas. Um, and then upon stealing all of the consumerist stuff away from these people, uh, realizes that to them – Maybe Christmas isn't about all this bullshit. So, like, he actually does come to the final, the same final conclusion as the movie. It's just that the, 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 um, and I think Jim Carrey can't really be blamed for the fact that the movie doesn't quite land there because I think a lot of the comedy that gets thrown at Jim Carrey is very funny. Like, I, I think that's the reason I like this movie. I think Jim Carrey is pretty funny. I, I yes. do think there's some funny stuff. There's some but lines. I, that I, I don't laugh. think he hates. I don't think he hates the Grinch. I don't. I don't. So I didn't say. I didn't say hated it, but I do think is either embarrassed or doesn't have confidence in it. And like, I'm not saying that yeah. every line is like when he does the Ron Howard stuff or starts, you know, bebopping and scatting through the movie. I am not saying that that <laughs> is. Yeah, the Grinch is like jazz if you really think about it. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is not jazz. It's, it's unfortunately none of the notes he doesn't say because he says them all. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like the, the jazz is, you know. Jazz is playing all of the notes and then letting people decide what's a what is a song. <laughs> Which would be like, but he does that throughout the movie. I don't like. There's actually more notes there. He just you haven't been quiet enough to hear them. <laughs> yeah, have you have you played with a five speaker surround sound system? Because you, there's a lot of notes. <laughs> yeah, well, we put the bass up really high, but all the melodies underneath there, you just gotta you know yeah. imagine it. Wait, wait, I, hear, I hear when you do a five speaker surround sound system for this movie, <laughs> uh, neighborhood cats commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, parents let their kids wander off to the mountains. Like, it's okay. We don't, we don't need this grief anymore. But I, I do think, like, again, all that stuff, and there is hundreds of those jokes throughout the movie. Some, some that actually land. Like, I do think there's the, the two parts that made me laugh every time is his commitment to the, um, uh, the first I'm gonna like whatever it is, and then I'm gonna throw up when he blasts off down the mountain. Like it's a funny delivery. It's way too extended. It's good. I love the part when they're shoving food in his face, and it's a pudding contest. And there's a part this where is not someone pudding. is shoving. She has something shoving in his face, and as an audience, you have a second of like, that's not pudding. And then the character himself goes, uh, this is not pudding. Uh, and like that's those are some funny moments. They made me laugh this time. They made me laugh when I when I saw him in theaters. I don't think any of those moments or the hundred other examples that maybe don't land as much with me, I think uh, are uh, is exactly what I'm talking about. It definitely is making a nine or a you know two thousand era uh, new audience hip version. I think it's the parts of like now that we get to the actual story of the Grinch, we have to let everyone know that we think it's a little lame too. And maybe it wasn't because they don't like it or or don't or are saying like this is stupid but it does give the impression of like we can't just have him start rhyming because uh 
people will think that isn't cool. And so we can do the rhyming, but we have to let people know, like, this is this is a little silly that he's doing this. When, like, you should be thinking, well, actually, this is theoretically what people came to see. Like, him saving, we have to do that. And also, I disagree just fundamentally that he comes off that mountain to change person because he is – uh, he is the exact same amount of annoying and frustrating as he was before the incident. Like he is, that's when he's doing the na 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 stuff to Jeffrey Tambor and like Aaron. Change is a journey; it's not a destination. But like, what change? The only change as a character is that he's no longer up the mountain. He's now back in Whoville. But as a character, there's no even when he's cutting the roast beef. Like, there's just, he's still the same. Well, no, now they accept him. He doesn't have to change. He's allowed to be, yeah, he's allowed to be that person. In Howard's version, the Who's are, you know, more like... That's true, I mean, you're right. In Howard's version, the Who's are the problem, and the Grinch has been unfairly maligned. Um, And so, yeah, I guess that's right. They allow him to be an annoying hairy asshole. And, uh, um, And that's the journey of... Yeah, I guess that's fundamentally unsatisfying. Then like, I don't need a Grinch. I I don't. I mean, I don't need a Grinch. That's like that's my. I guess yeah, that is my problem with the movie. I don't need a Grinch where the 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 who's are the assholes. It just miss and then makes fun of or dismisses or changes all the important parts of the story because it feels unconfident. Like ultimately, I, Peter. Like when I'm saying that I've turned on the movie, it's not the gaudiness. It's not the oppressiveness. Like. It's not the design. I actually still like a lot of that. That's the part that's made me turn on it. So let me – this all kind of ties together because I think I can, yeah. I, can, I can put a bow around it pretty quickly for, for my, my thesis. Um, the movie is over-designed to shit um, on purpose. Uh, yeah. And it, it, I, I think the one amazing thing about this movie is it was made in the year 2000. Okay. So it was, it was released in the year 2000, and this was a time when CGI was just sort of creeping into the overall design of movies, it was designed to fix broken effects, cover up uh, effects that, you know, weren't quite there. Replace you know, matte paintings, especially. Yes. yes. Yeah. So this was a time when they actually put an insane amount of physical hand-crafted work um, on screen. So that this is a high budget movie you're seeing the budget on screen in whoville every piece of whoville is custom designed to be as weird and wild and curvy and crazy as, as possible it, it the, the town is designed to be just a shotgun blast to your to your to your cortex like it's it's supposed to be this over design thing like there's a moment that i which i, I love by the way like yes. i like the design of the movie I, I, there's a moment i rest on very often which is there's a scene where i think it's the grinch and cindy lou who are in a in a kitchen at night and in the background there's a who blender and the who blender is just fucking wild in any other movie this would just be a blender or the counter would be empty, but because Ron Howard was like, I am giving the, 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 the practical effects, the set department, I'm giving everybody a zillion dollars each. Um, but you have to spend it in the next two weeks. <laughs> um, this blender is his wild curves and it's over designed and it's sitting in the background of a shot bit with, with almost no light on it. And that's the movie to me. 
is that yeah. this is this is this is trying this is a movie that is in- incredibly over designed to give you this consumerist blast to the senses and it's trying to modernize the the Grinch sentiment by uh, approaching an audience that has become jaded with Christmas uh, particularly this like Gen X generation and uh, approaching a millennial generation that is going to be even more jaded with Christmas I assure you um, and really I feel like millennials overall as as, as a millennial I feel like uh, it's circled back around oh yeah totally why do you think Hallmark has the budget it has today yeah I, yeah. I, I feel like Gen X was cynical. I don't feel like millennials as a whole are cynical. Yeah, probably probably not, though millennials are cynical about – like they are uh, still incredibly cr- critical of capitalism and consumerism like as a generation. Like I'm seeing that more and more. Maybe – Maybe that's Zoomerism, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, governing from below. I feel like my generation is becoming more and more aware of, like, please don't spend money on shit you don't need. I think that part is true of both uh, the Zoomillennials and the Millennials. Yeah, the, the Zoolennials, yes. The Zoolennials and the Millennials. Which we, we agreed yesterday, Aaron, uh, Zoolennials is their name because their first erotic experience was from Zootopia pornography. I thought it was from watching the documentary Zoo, but to each their own. I wasn't quite clear yeah. where we landed. Don't Google it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, Bill, do Google it. So I feel like the the, the consumerist uh, tendencies of, um, of, a, of a previous generation, of the boomer generation, uh, this movie felt the need to... Uh, counteract. So they made this movie an absolute blast of the senses, and 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 I like that. Like we're kind of on the same page that like the the aesthetic of this movie is kind of fun. <laughs> like, yeah, I like it. It's got it's gaudy, just like Christmas. It's is. incredibly I think, gaudy and aggressive. I actually think that's where the millennial why um, millennials and Zoomers like Christmas. There is a like, um, especially for millennials, our nostalgia is definitely rooted in the 80s, whether we lived there uh, for much of our lives or not. And like the 80s, um, like whether it's music and synthesizers or like ugly sweater parties and something like that, there is something about the um, how do we make our tree as bright and as weird as possible and we're going to go really into the decorations and the sweaters, which I am very much a part of. I love all that shit, uh, but that definitely feels like a millennial thing. Uh, whereas um, Gen X was like about you put on a Santa hat and say that Christmas is bullshit, man. Yeah, you're you're, you're I think you you uh, summarize that a little bit better. Um, and and um, I think that I think that Ron Howard was was on the right track here. He's just not um, he is not the filmmaker you look to for social commentary. He's not. the yeah, filmmaker. He's, a, he's a boomer. What what do boomers think of Christmas? Yeah, Fucking like it, like Ron Howard was maybe the worst person to direct this movie, but like Ron Howard he didn't even been, want to for once for once in his lifetime. Ron Howard should have been hired to uh, give a bunch of money to art direction and to sound design and to special effects departments and then uh, get fired off the project. For once in his life, he should have been fired off a project. And then they hired, you know, uh, the fucking uh, who are the guys from 21 Jump Street? Um, Lord and Miller. Uh, Lord yeah. Miller to finish out the movie. Like that would so have been. So then in that, in that timeline, uh, Solo is there, is Ron Howard's revenge. Yes. Yes. In that timeline, <laughs> uh, that was, that was Ron Howard coming back. 
Um, which honestly, like he's calling Kathleen Kennedy, like give it to me. I owe them a blood debt. <laughs> and then Lord and Miller look at each of their wrists, and they have like a black mark that has Opie's face on it. Um, Ron, yeah, Ron how, Howard how just old are they? Gives in them, like the fucking uh, five each. <laughs> I think no, they got to be older than me. Yeah, that's true. They're um, they're they're probably eighteen, 20. just like Cindy Lou Who. Yeah, just like Cindy Lou who is Legally. canonically eighteen. Oh, so so they were born and they were both born in seventy five. So yeah, they're twenty five. Yeah, twenty five still alive. So my argument here is that Ron Howard was headed. They were in, writing in the for a show called that, and, Joe Duncan Jack and Jane in two thousand. They were on the map, guys. They were they were in Hollywood. They were doing the work. They just should have stolen work. Selma from Ron Blair Howard. starred in this TV show. It was on the WB. Um, I just, I just feel like it's like Cindy being mad, sad about consumerism is like, yeah, that's an approachable entry point for this. And where are you Christmas? Like, even if you think it's a cloying song, um, I think Taylor Momsen actually singing the performance is incredibly yeah, she sweet. Did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I, it's a good Christmas song. Again, it just, it misses the point of the book if that if that's what you're going for i like bill's idea that positing that actually he was trying to it, it misses the point of the movie right i want to be a grouch who lives by myself and rather than changing everyone comes around to my point of view <laughs> and they accept yes but like the whole point of the grinch book is actually that there wasn't a problem with consumerism like, <laughs> this isn't right? the book the grinch the grinch was being a fucking grump about people enjoying giving each other presents and having a nice meal together as a family um and in this movie cindy lou who's like i mean the, the i guess ironically in this movie adaptation all of the things that the grinch thinks about the who's in the book and the special How the Grinch Stole Christmas are true of the Who's. Yes. It's like, it's it's literally a what if the Grinch was right movie? What if Joker's the good guy? Because Ron Howard is deep <laughs> like that. Uh, so. This is a, this is a Joker movie. Wow. I, I, this, you broke this all open for me. I actually agree. I think this is a Joker movie. Read uh, a little bit of a... Uh, uh, Com who nist manifest who... <laughs> <laughs> by Carl Peter, Peter, I think this is a Joker movie. <laughs> like, I really think it I is. I got it from Hoonist Manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Allen's not in it. He knows how to spell it. Uh, the audience uh, will give back. me credit. What, I'll one be, of my I'll favorite scenes, though, is like when he looks into the telescope and just opens the Whoville telephone book and like starts with the A's and says, I hate you. Like... I love the idea that he really doesn't have to change. Like he does that because they're all jerks and assholes. And yeah, that to me is the the, the scene. I, I don't know why it's a silly scene, but I just really enjoy it. No, it is a, it is a funny scene. You think he eventually maybe got to his mom's and's like, "Hey, our wilderness son just called and <laughs> says that he hates us. Should we go check how he's doing? It seems bad." We we always hoped for the best, but I think this is evidence that not doing great. Yeah. And not over. We assume the first grader was doing well. <laughs> well, for 53 years, I've lived with my own hate. A lot of key parties since then. You want to talk about the key parties? Yeah. Cindy, Cindy Lou Who has a mom. 
played by Molly Shannon, right? Like, uh, who is competing with her neighbor, Chris. A lot of things don't pay Christine off. Christine Baranski, like, who has a yeah. fucking Gatling gun for uh, light strings. It's so fucking funny. Well, they have to do that because otherwise she would have been a good who, right? Because she can see through the mayor's yeah. bullshit that the Grinch is, you know, attractive. But <laughs> to make sure that she's not actually a wholesome character, they put her in like this very petty you know, light competition with her neighbor. Light competition that, that goes nowhere. And then Molly Shannon leaves the movie, I guess. Like, what, I don't remember her in much no, of the She steals end. a stoplight that causes, you know, the death of two oh, six-inch yeah. who's. And so she has to lay low. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, weird movie. <laughs> uh, well, also, Christine uh, Berinsky's character uh, is also, like, goes along, like, is peer pressured into... Also kind of laughing at the Grinch in first grade when he becomes a woodsman. (laughs) A woods boy. There's the question with any musical, which the original animation, uh, the original Chuck Jones animation is is essentially a musical, right? It's Uh, only got two songs, but it's, you know, it's, it's still a good chunk of the runs. I get it. He has been told expressly by the town you're a gross parasite please leave and like when he when he decides he hates everyone you're just like you're on the exactly this is just like joker you're on the Grinch's side aaron that was very astute uh, i love the scene when he's like um he's even arguing with his own echo and then the echo changes uh no you're an idiot the, yeah like he's he's saying uh <laughs> Do you want me to says, do it? I can says, do like the says, entire movie. Yeah, yeah, do 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 it, Bill. Yeah. What is you're, it? Like, you're here for a reason. Fine. I'm going to speak very softly and by the time my voice gets to you, reverberates off the wall and gets back to me, I won't be able to hear it. You're an idiot. <laughs> it's genuinely a good gag. And there's also like there's a lot of good uh Grinch time when he's uh just chilling in Mount Crumpet, just fucking spiraling. I love the scene when he's just eating broken glass. And he was, am I just eating because I'm bored? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Like the movie, the movie has like good little, good little moments, especially like Jim Carrey up on the mountain. But like, it's, I also love the fact that Jim Carrey, when he does come down from Mount Crumpet and goes to Whoville, the mask that he elects is just like, almost like a horrific parody of what a who looks like. (laughs) Yeah. That is it's a got good like one. Like these m- massive buck teeth and 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 this like like d- big dumb doughy eyes. Yeah, it's very unclear though because like Christine Barinsky, as far as I can tell, has no who characteristics. She's just a, a hot lady. Yeah, Christine Baranski has has, uh, has. I don't know if she refused to to like put on the makeup. Yeah, she's she just like. Excuse me, I'm hot. I'm just not gonna do. <laughs> Hot and bothered. I actually kind of did a Patrick Warburton as a woman there. Sorry about that. Um. I also think, I mean, the best scene in the movie, though, and I think this kind of does circle up to the themes we've been talking about, is when uh, the Grinch, you know, finally has this kind of confrontation with Jeffrey Tambor's mayor character, and the mayor says, well, let me get this straight. You think that stealing Christmas is funny? And then the Grinch says... I do, and I'm sick of pretending it's not. 
I think that I mean that is the scene yeah. that people talk about still. Now pucker up. Can we talk about the Ron Howard riff? Because we we never got back to that. Because okay, so from what I've read, it does seem like Jim Carrey refused to not do it, and Ron Howard included it to be a good sport, but kind of doesn't like it. That's so, my sense so there's from a reading scene where interviews. Ron Howard, for some fucking reason, wears a lot of military caps on uh, when he's directing, and despite being kind of a pushover as a director with no vision. Um, uh, well, yeah, you know, the happy days, which he lived through very famously, is when all of his friends died in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so somebody had to send home the hats. Uh, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna wear all my buddy's hats once. God, and so oh, Ron support Howard, the military. No, so it's there's a Ron Howard riff, and he's he's fucking around with Max, his his wonderful dog, um, and he's he's commanding him like a director dash, you know, admiral, and uh, <laughs> and like it's a funny little riff, and like it makes you feel like the movie has a full Gen X spirit, right? That that uh that like we'll make fun of anything, even ourselves. But like Ron Howard had to shoot that bit. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> this wasn't a second unit thing and then the producers fought to embarrass their director. Like that that it had it it, it 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 is like I think the greatest uh Achilles heel in thinking this movie is cool in that Yes, it's funny to have Jim Carrey make fun of Ron Howard in, in a Ron Howard movie, but Ron Howard still had to shoot that scene. Like, that makes yeah. it a lot less cool. It it does. I remember seeing an interview about it and um, looked it up a little bit because I do remember it seeming like he was not cool with it, but did the, did the boomer thing? Yeah, sure. I'm going to go boomer thing. Of like being like, well, it's like I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not like a bad sport about it. I'm going to put it in the movie. Of course, I'm going to put it in the movie. Like it's it's funny. Like I can laugh at myself. I'm a cool dad. I'm, a cool, I'm Ron Howard. Laugh at myself. I made Apollo 13, my only good movie. Uh, uh, it, that is like the sense I get from interviews is him purposely talking about and including it because he because Jim Carrey just decided he was going to do that he says that he said that was Jim Carrey deciding to do that and I think feeling almost peer pressure that if he if he thought if he cut it from the movie everyone was going to think he couldn't take a joke but he can't really take a joke but he's well how far did like Jim Carrey go with it though because like the part with the dog is great he's like when he like knocks off his Rudolph nose. He's like, brilliant. Like, you cast off your nose or whatever. Like, and it's a total, like, knock on, like, a simplistic director, or not simplistic, but, like, I feel like that's more cutting than simply wearing the hat and acting goofy. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I I read that the part he got the most upset with was when he pointed to his hat and said, um, I wear this because my happiest days when all my boys died in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> And he could date all their sister, their uh, girlfriends. All yeah. their si- yeah, because because that's the Ron or Howard move, right? Like, yeah, Ron Howard is a total poonhound. He's not. He's not the Fonz. <laughs> so when they're when when his friends' husbands died in Vietnam, as so many of our boys did, he fucked yeah. their wives. Yeah, because he, the Fonz, you know, as as we know, uh, is standing up in heaven going. A bouncing Betty took my head off on Hamburger Hill. 
Hey. The Fonz didn't wait for them to die. The Fonz actually got uh, taken by a shark that had wandered into a lagoon. <laughs> no, it was the shark was fine. He just jumped over it. He, he didn't jump the last shark. The best one. Uh, yeah. What else do you guys want to talk about in this movie? <laughs> um, Taylor Momsen, uh Who's 18. Good song. Um, <laughs> everyone decides that community is Christmas, not the presents, no matter, no matter how horrifically deformed you are. Is my, my next note. So, let's be honest. Everyone in this movie looks like a Dr. Moreau freak of nature, right? <laughs> the mayor saw to it. There feels... It feels like there's some sort of, like, a, a, a rat biogen in the water... Um, because everyone has a weird little rat nose, except for uh, e- except for um, fucking Cindy Lou, who for some reason maybe maybe uh, they had enough kids uh, that the recessive trait of not rat nose expressed itself. But um, that everyone in this movie looks like a weird mutant, and I think that's largely what people's aesthetic problem with the movie is: is the makeup effects and the Grinch's effect, which. I'm going to say right now, the makeup designers or Ron Howard did not have enough uh, faith in the makeup design to even put Cindy Lou Who, the main hoo-hoo, uh, in that makeup. Um, I think the Grinch makeup is super fucking impressive. And like when Jim Carrey... Yeah, it's the good. Fact, the fact that Jim Carrey can bounce around like that and the effect still feels like a living, a weird living being bouncing around like yeah I, i'm all for that like i don't I, well you know how i, I know the that, i know right? the the debate is essentially is it weird or not yes it's fucking weird to look at but everything in this movie is supposed to be garish and weird uh yeah you know how he was able to bounce around like that right uh cocaine no what he did is it's uh he like didn't just try to act like the grinch he tried to embody who the Grinch was as part of this little trick they call him the biz method acting. Mm. And that was his method. Hmm. Who knew? Uh, so his makeup, uh, and that's his, his makeup artist famously hated him after this movie because he would just like <laughs> show up late or be rude to her. Look, he would a use lot the, of people did the have makeup? famously hated Jim Carrey. <laughs> uh, screaming Mad George. <laughs> Um, Tommy Lee Jones, as far as I can tell, most of his ex-wives. <laughs> like, that that list is long. If we want to call out the makeup lady, great. But a lot of people hate Jim Carrey. <laughs> um, I, people I, who like their kids to not die from polio. Uh, cornholio. Well, because an, he was an anti-vaxxer for a while. I don't know if he still is. Uh, he was for a period of time, yeah. Um, production design, costume design. I watched this show on Sci-Fi a couple seasons. I binged it somewhere. It was all about stage makeup. Um, which turns out, like, for a lot of these things, is more about, like, sculpting clay and casting techniques using, like, silicone or foam and all that stuff. More so than, like, how to enhance someone's cheekbones. Um, yeah. It was actually, like super interesting to and like very informative to see how different 
in quality and approach like can impact like the screen worthiness of a makeup. Um, and there was a number of very famous people who judged the show in the makeup world, which means I have no idea who they were, but that's why I'm curious. There was a show. I can't even remember what it was called on sci-fi about doing. I, uh, yeah. Makeup. It was where they would do like monster makeup yeah. and screen. Makeup, it was actually right? the competition. Interesting. Yeah, I forget yeah, what because too, they need I, to. I like yeah, that. you 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 nailed the 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 nail on the head there, Bill. It, it you need to be able to design something that's not just beautiful, but like practical for an actor that a that an actor can. Can you emote? Can you smile yeah, with your you, eyes? Yeah, and like I feel like Jim Carrey, who obviously is like one of our most expressive actors. I'm not saying like you know, effectively expressive, but like somebody who can nail uh, a emotion within a range in any any given moment at a, a drop of a dime. Um, the fact that the, the makeup designers were able to design something that, yes, took hours for him to fucking put on. And I imagine that whole time he's just trying to get in character by abusing the makeup staff. Um that's really fucking impressive because like he looks like a weird mountain monster um with a big big belly um and occasionally has to wear clothes or operate props or do do effects and uh has to sit in that chair for what four or six hours before you can shoot a single scene it's a lot i'm pretty impressed Pretty impressed. I don't understand how any of these guys do it. You know, Peter, you start watching Star Trek where they just sit there like wharf every day. His, you know, Riker just has to like trim his beard or whatever each day. And Worf has to sit in the makeup chair for four hours before they go shoot all day. That just I could not like a... do it. I mean, they're painting glue No, I, I couldn't do it either. Like, it is not something that looks particularly comfortable. And then I... And then I'd have anxiety about it, and it would take five hours because I'd have to go pee. Especially, like, actors with Doug jo- like Doug Jones, that it's, like, a yeah. full-body prosthetic, and, like, he's essentially, like, you know, the character is nude the whole time, and you're just like, how the fuck does he do the, you know, we're not on camera, but, you know, the, the opening. I assume a <laughs> catheter, a stadium pal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a prosthetic penis. It just it seem it just seems like a always a hog a hugger. Yeah, you want to if you get a, if you get cast on a TV series where there's aliens, you want to go for not an alien, yeah, not because you're xenophobic, but just because what a nightmare. Yeah, I, I imagine like you know when they were making Buffy, they were like, okay, um, who's wearing the prosthetic? We penis? hired David Boreanaz. We're gonna put like some shit on his forehead, but not too much shit because we hired David Boreanaz. <laughs> like, yeah, every time he's like, "Can I not vamp out this episode? Like, maybe I just get a little annoyed." <laughs> yeah, like, like the, those two hours mildly perturbed on literally anything else. Though maybe I'm just frustrated. Maybe that's why, like in the later seasons of Angel, he he uh, he just gets annoyed and he becomes the comic centerpiece of the show. It's like I'll grit my teeth. I swear, just don't make me put on the makeup. Can we turn this into a workplace comedy, please? <laughs> and they're like, sure. We can do whatever we want. My I guess my take here is that I think it's still very interesting to look at. I think it's. Um, I don't think there's much more besides some lighting and the fact that the cinematography is kind of bland. Like, I think from a, like I said, a design standpoint, they really took the concept of we're going to create a live action Dr. Seuss 
universe or setting, uh, they did a fantastic job with it. I, I have no, I have no complaints. I think the Grinch looks good. I think the makeup looks good. I think the costume looks good. Um, I guess my overall take is, like I said, I don't have the complaints about it that I feel like most critics who disliked it had in 2000. Um, where almost uh, as far as I can tell, I mean, I didn't read every review that was negative. I looked at a couple, so I, I, I'm a little I'm speaking out of my ass here, which again I guess is a Jim Carrey uh, specialty, so it's uh, appropriate. But um, I'd like to ask you a few questions. <laughs> but uh, you know, I feel like the 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 uh, the criticism was based on the backstory and the gaudiness and a, and a few other things, and I, I just think like. I just wish, like, I would like this movie more if they, they sure they can do all the same shit, but they at least committed to the the Grinch part, the part where he steals Christmas, and then also, like, I, I guess I just don't like the idea of the who's being the people that need to change and that the Grinch, and I think we did nail it. I think it's a joke. It's a Joker type movie. The Grinch specifically doesn't change. And it's the whole town kind of accepting who the Grinch is, which just feels antithetical to it might be the book and the story. Antithetical. I just, like, it doesn't feel like a clever subversion either. It just, it feels, I don't clever know. subversion or not. I think it's important to note that, this is probably the biggest transformation we've had in your thinking during the course of a single episode. Like this is probably my what third, fourth time on the podcast. I I don't think I've ever had as strong as impact on changing your view, especially around a Christmas movie. I, I think that's true. Like I, I, once you see, because because I there's a lot of it that is frustrating, and you're just like, why is that? Like, what is the point here? And when you and and that they've you know I said early on in the episode that that it feels like they don't understand the ending and like why would they make all the who's fucking horrible because that's the whole point of the book and I I do think what you hit the nail on the head Bill that like oh this is from the perspective of the Grinch being wrong throughout the movie and that the Grinch doesn't need changing that the who's need changing and the movie makes way more sense through that lens. It just is unsatisfying. It's not a particularly good movie, but, but <laughs> it, it's a, it's a terrible, if you're making your live action, uh, uh, Grinch movie, uh, avoid that. Don't, don't, don't do that. I guess. Don't um, ignore the book. Uh, <laughs> well, don't ignore the whole point of the book. Like you, you at that point, you are just taking the, the theme and the visualization and again that can be done very well like starship troopers is one of peter and mine's favorite movie and it literally is an adaptation of a book that's a fuck you to a fascist book and is about um depicting fascism in a way that is negative but the whole i mean that really works well as a subversion because again robert Heinlein's fucking fascist ass book that is terrible and yes i have read it um them making a movie out of that that um, is an anti-fascist movie is an interesting subversion. <laughs> making a movie about, like, I don't know, like, about what the Grinch's themes are, about, like, letting people have community and not being the outsider who judges people that you're not around, to be like, don't be dicks to green furry people, <laughs> even if they're annoying as shit, is just a, is not a good subversion. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, here's what I'll say, and Bill, you can you can you can uh, you can finish this out. Um, 
So I, I feel like this is an expertly expressed vision. Whether or not you like that vision or not is is totally up to you. But like, it is a fairly pure expression of a vision. Hundreds of man hours, if not thousands, went into bold, over-designed expressionist sets for Jim Cher- bleh, for Jim Carrey to chew on, chew apart with his bare, crooked, maggoty teeth. It's an hour and forty-five minutes long, which is just fucking outrageous, considering that the um, the original short is what twenty-seven minutes. Um, uh, yep, but. This is this is someone who is proud to get their their express vision out. And this is something that is going to continue to be fascinating for years and years in the way like any other massive comic misfire is. And like I put this in the same camp as Super Mario Brothers and that like I have a great time watching it. Do I think it has any understanding of the original subject material? Well, hold on. Let's not compare. Hold on. Let's not compare those two as, like, equivalent misunderstandings of the subject material. Well, I, I think the Super Mario Brothers was a willful misunderstanding. I would say that the Ron Howard version was a, a sloppy attempt to modernize the concept. I think it was sincere. Whereas the Super Mario Brothers movie, I don't know if it was sincere. But I think they're both fun to watch because they take us into this strange live action, super practical, super tactile textural vision comic book vision in 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 a, in a live action setting and like i think that's something to be commended and i think it's actually like i think the jim carrey stuff is actually funny but like your mileage may vary on that um, there's no i mean he's, he's a shotgun blast of comedy and like as such he occasionally hits his target yes yes um bill do you have any final thoughts to bring us home before we close out I mean, I, I've never taken this movie quite as seriously as we have over the course of the past. It's the whole show. Two Bill. hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> have you noticed a reoccurring theme in my like presence here? Like I drink a like, lot. You've I criticize to all the episodes where you're always like, oh, they actually talked about it seriously. We kind of got into getting even with dad and Airbud seriously. So. Well, normally the episodes that I'm invited to, there's not much of the serious factor. So oh. I don't know. I feel uncomfortable when it gets to this point and we've become somewhat serious. Um, so I, I guess trying to frame my thinking around that slightly more mature uh, point of view, I, I, I would say that I understand where you're coming from, Aaron, and saying that it's not necessarily a good version of subversion, but I'm a fan of all things subversive, as we've established in the past few um, episodes, and I don't even need that here, quite frankly, to enjoy it, because it is immersive and about Christmas, and so it's a win in my book, um, even if I don't particularly enjoy Jim Carrey and most of his other comedies. Um, I think I could watch this every year and I will continue to do so. I think that's fair. I guess, I mean, part of it is just, I do have a, I mean, my, my initial enjoyment of it in 2000 was based on how much I love the book and feeling like this was a amazing realization of a Dr. Seuss or more, more specifically a Whovian, a Whovian? Yeah, Whovian world that I like, I just could never even imagine that this could be depicted in this way on screen. Right. Um, and I, I guess that's still the case to some extent. Um, and so like that, I think was my source of joy and why I was a defender of this movie. And I will still defend that aspect of it. Um, I just, as I've 
you know, grown up a little more, I feel like, yeah, the... Well, no one wants to turn into that person. I'm sorry. If- no one wants no, to and I-, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, according to this movie, it's fine. It's you guys that have to change. Well, that's the, um. the best part about it. That's why you should love this movie even more. That's why I'm not going to change. that's so interesting to see. Like, that is that does feel like a very Bill Foxian take. Like, no, it's it's the asshole who was right, and people need to accept that that's just how he is. <laughs> Um, I I will say this like I I mean I do own it on Blu-ray the Blu-ray transfer is garbage it's one of the early ones that is like an up it's an HD up res of a DVD Um, you can always just tell that by the brightness of of the way the the image looks on screen Um, Peter did share that it got released on 4K which does require an actual remastering um, somewhere along the way and it it advertised it that way I, I gotta say I'm mildly interested in seeing if i watch it and it doesn't look so uh faded what my take on it would be yeah faded and feeling x-rated um (laughs) so uh aaron what do we got left this month nothing it's this is the christmas episode merry christmas merry christmas yeah next week is um our best of 2019 with uh producer and, and best friend of the show carrie uh, Carrie Nelson. Intern? Uh, that episode, no, producer. That episode raw runs for four hours and fifty minutes. So we'll see. Uh, it, it, I don't know how it couldn't be our longest episode, and it was all on topic, and it was a great uh, discussion. And then uh, January is a, a, a winter uh, love, another Lovecraft and other drugs. Yes, and uh, I don't remember the order, but we can talk about what movies we're doing, Peter. Uh, yes, we are doing. Um, the color out of space is our big sort of our, our, our big. Dee Farber, take two. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, we are doing uh, a combo episode of Black Mountainside and uh, the Beach House. Um, so, sort of uh, indie smaller efforts. Uh, we'll also be doing underwater. We'll also be doing a big budget extrapolation of the the Lovecraft mythos underwater. Which just saying it is a spoiler that it's a Lovecraft thing, so watch yeah, it but before it's you been watch here, the episode. So. <laughs> there yeah, you here. Go. No, it's streaming right now on HBO too, so people have less of an excuse. I need to go watch it myself. Uh this is and, and we as we discussed in the episode, uh knowing it's a cosmic horror movie, uh is a pitch more than a spoiler. <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, watch it right now. And then, yeah, and Dark Water, the 1993, I want to say Italian movie? Mariano Baiano. It's sort of an Italian, British, Ukrainian production. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's great, though. It's yeah. uh, it's Lovecraftian nuns. Yeah. Um, These nuns are on the runs nuns from Cthulhu's runs. big guns. Nuns yeah. with runs? Nuns with runs. So this will be probably, yeah, our, our last time talking to you properly before... In before the worst year of all time. For worst year of all time. And I like to end every sort of year on a, on a sincere message. And uh, Bill, I'm um, sorry that you have to sit here for this. Yeah, I was going to um, say, should I just get off now? Just, yeah, just yeah. watch your watch your pornographic image of the grand Sincerity yeah. makes me vomit um, in my mouth. Every year, I like to tell people that this is a hard time of year for certain people to be alone or is a hard type of year for people to, to make it through. This is also a year where if you're being responsible, you maybe aren't seeing your family. Yeah. Um, so you, you might be feeling more lonely than ever. I just want to say you are worthy 
it's just a it's a hard time it's a hard time to be alive don't pretend like this is going to be this way forever and this is supposed to be a time of seasonal giving if you can give anything great if you can't also great if if you can though that will make you feel more connected to your common man even though they are um between several layers of mask and glass and uh you know uh cloth away from you it's a good time of year to remember that there's other ways to connect there's other ways to support people and that you have connections to help you and you have connections to help others so happy holidays happy new year thank you very much for listening and uh yeah have a great rest of your year uh thank you peter um, you know, the other thing about this, it's the end of our fifth calendar year doing the show, which oh, wow. seems insane. That's um, crazy. It, Five yeah, years. 26, we started in 2016, so 2016, 17, 18, 19, and now 20. And our, our fifth year anniversary and our 250th episode is coming around the bend. Congratulations. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's insane. And it really is, uh, to, you know, uh, honestly, to the, to the listeners now there, to the people that have guested, to my co-host – like this, this has always been an amazing thing that I think Peter and I have, you know, in our first few episodes. And even I, th- I think even maybe into our first year to your move to San Diego to stuff like that, we were trying to like, how are we going to keep this going? Are we going to be able to keep this going? We used to talk, I think, more about like, you know, yeah, I want to do this as long as I can keep doing it. And I, I think, you know, at this point, we've just kind of reached the point where this is like just such a such a regular and like – just it it feels as as normal as like going to work in the morning or something more fun <laughs> um but that just it's just part of our lives um i meant that i was just trying to think of something i think with you guys are over the hump a, i mean it doesn't feel like at this we're, point I, we're definitely over I the hump which about... is a joke we made last year where we where we we said on our first episode if we get to 200 episodes we'll do this movie and we fulfilled that with doing flesh gordon um, which was just kind of a joke that we had made because there was no way we were getting to 200 episodes. and But we literally couldn't do that. I mean, it's um, – I know this is such a weird thing to say, but it, like looking at our Spotify stats and a bunch of other stuff, like it is amazing that this show that we do no promotion of, that we just do because we love talking to you. We love recording it. We like talking to each other. We like the topics that we talk about. We get excited to do it. Has continued to grow year after year and, um, and in a year that was – extremely tough for all of us um this show as peter and i have talked about many times has 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 um taken on a role of greater import for both of us where it's it's kind of just like no matter what's going on in the world whether it was you know all the all the just i don't even need to go through the litany of terrible 2020 things that was on a weekly basis but it felt like well no matter how depressed i am no matter how much i feel like i don't want to do anything gotta watch this movie because i gotta record this episode and having that outlet to have a you know a consistent social interaction with someone besides my own family um and the people that live in my house um you know it's, uh, it has been great it's why we've been joking all year about how far ahead we are because we started recording two and even sometimes three times a week because this is this has just taken on such a greater import but it, it the the reason why we feel like we can continue to record more and and do more joke episodes and and release stuff quickly that we're excited about is because uh, of our audience and our guests and everyone else that kind of has supported us both now and now financially through it as well. We've had some great Patreon supporters that we've thanked this month as well. So sorry that was long winded. Uh, it's getting late, but I, yeah, it's it's been a, uh, you know it's been an extremely tough year. But having our audience. 
our guests and and you, Peter, as co-host, has made it uh, a little bit more bearable. Well, thank you, Aaron. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's nice to we're we're pretty sincere people, but it's nice to have like a, a moment right at the end of the year where I feel like you know this is gonna be it's gonna be a fucking weird Christmas for some people, including myself. So yeah. uh, it's good to it's good to like let the curtain down a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah. we used to do it more often. Now we just save it for the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the end of the year and the two hundredth, two hundred fiftieth. You yeah. know, the, the whatever our, our monument episode yeah, twice is. Twice a year, kiddos, you get some uh, some just the same old sincerity from people that it felt like every four weeks we were doing it for a while, and we still mean all that. We just recognize that you no one wants heard to it all hear. before, but we mean it every single uh, every single week. Even if we just think it. Well, congratulations are in order. You guys have also gotten better at this game. I want you to take that to heart. Um, oh, I know. I've listened to our old episodes. Uh, I'm glad our skills uh, do actually tend to increase. That Malcolm <laughs> Gladwell was on to something. <laughs> How many hours are you at now, right? I mean, you might actually. I mean, I, I mean, we can probably tell you we know exactly how many episodes we've released on our average and, length. And, and um, it wouldn't be and it wouldn't be the actual episode length. It would be the episode length times two. Um, yeah, times two. Oh, yeah. Um, we used to have to edit out half of these sometimes yeah now like, i'm, I'm tri- joking 20 minutes too but like yeah we used to edit out so much more than we do we do now now it's just um, when i talk despite well, yeah now it's just when when bill has now it's just when bill's say, on, and, yeah. and, and frankly we don't need it um, all right we like to take well, with that good night good luck we'll see you next year is recording yes see you next merry year. christmas good night merry christmas happy holidays Thank you so much for listening to we love to watch if you made it to the end hopefully you liked what you heard today and if you'd like to hear more please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch and if you can chip in a few bucks that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward uh it wasn't an implicit threat by peter he just didn't know how to say it but either way we'll continue to make more but it would be helpful uh, as we explained to our loved ones where all our money is going which is all on server space uh <laughs> If you can't, (laughs) uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years uh we really do appreciate you uh with kisses and smooches peter and aaron (laughs)